Hey guys, John Ojaka here, and just a quick note before we begin the episode, uh, I wanted to let you know that my new program, Music Marketing Manifesto 4.0, is now available for registration. You can currently take advantage of the early bird launch discount and save $50 if you sign up now. Uh, as of this recording, that discount will only be available for a few days. Uh, you can check it out and learn more about the program at musicmarketingmanifesto.com forward slash MMM4. Again, that's musicmarketingmanifesto.com forward slash MMM4. Enjoy the episode. You're listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast, where you'll learn advanced strategies, tactics, and tips for actually selling your music. If you'd like to learn more music marketing strategies, then go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com. That's musicmarketingmanifesto.com. And sign up for your free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint. Now, here's your host, John Ojaka. All right, yeah, John Ojaka here, and thanks for tuning in to episode number 23 of the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast. Now, this episode is going to be a bit different. Um, it's certainly a departure from the, the usual format. Um, what you're about to listen to is basically the recording of a live Q&A call that was uh, held, well, as of this recording just yesterday. So as you would have heard in the introduction uh, to this episode, I have just released Music Marketing Manifesto 4.0. It's something I I'm, I'm very excited about, and whenever these uh, launches take place, there's there's a lot of activity. Uh, we do things like we did yesterday where we hold these live Q&A calls, give people a chance to ask questions not only about the course, uh, but about marketing in general. And they tend to be, uh, I think, really great conversations. Some great questions are asked. Um, again, I want to stress the organic and just comfortable nature of these things. These are not scripted or planned out. Questions are not planted. Guests are not planted. It's just a hang. Uh, but there's, there's so much, in my opinion, great information uh, in these questions and in these discussions that I thought I'd share this uh, Q&A call with you guys because I know only a few hundred of you were able to make it on the live call. And I thought, you know, this is great information. I'm going to share this uh, on the podcast and, and I think you guys will dig it. But I do want to set it up a bit and just let you know that obviously because it was a, a live webinar slash teleseminar kind of thing, the audio is not as up to scratch as perhaps it should be. And as if, if it's not apparent, uh, I had a, a pretty fierce cold at the moment. So uh, there's a, a constant pausing and hitting the mute button so that you guys don't have to listen to me uh, cough up a lung. It, it's raw. You know, this is raw audio. Uh, it's a live Q&A session. I had planned to have my uh, right-hand man, Steve Rogers, many of you know him from the support desk, uh, on the call with me, fielding me questions, but something came up for him and he wasn't able to make it. So I was kind of there myself fielding questions and doing all of those different things. So, uh, you know, it's not polished. That's all I want to kind of say because, uh, you know, we've been putting in effort to make these podcasts sound great for you guys lately. Uh, and and this is not up to that standard. But again, it's a live call. So I think you're going to dig it. It goes on longer than usual because when I hold these live chats, I just sort of leave the lines open uh, telethon style and just let people ask questions until they dry up. So it, it went on. The actual call went on for about two and a half hours or so. I've shaved off the beginning and the end and some of the stuff that was really irrelevant to this podcast, but that's really the long and short of it. So we're going to jump on over to that audio already in progress. Uh, again, while this is a general marketing discussion, you'll hear me bring up Music Marketing Manifesto 4.0 a few times. If you want to learn more about that, if you want to take advantage of that early bird discount that is available as of this recording, it's going to come down very soon. So, you know, we're only talking about a couple more days. Uh, 
but if you want to learn more about that, you can go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com forward slash MMM4. All right, let's head on over to that conversation already in progress. So to give everyone who's new here a bit of uh, a primer on MMM, because I know people are coming in via Twitter and Facebook and everywhere else, and many of you are MMM members, and many of you are probably just hearing about me and this business and the strategy for the very first time. Um, so uh, what MMM is, is, in a nutshell, is it's a direct-to-fan marketing strategy. As I say, I've been sort of working on this for almost a decade now, um, and it, it's different from the old the the old strategies you know the the traditional album life cycle strategies where you release an album try to get on the radio try to get some press and get on the road and tour and just try to create so much awareness that uh, it ultimately adds up to sales that's what people have doing or have been doing for the i don't know actually how far back this goes how far back does the record industry go uh, since since the beginning of of the music industry really um, that's been how we promote things and uh, you know obviously things are are changing dramatically streaming is is at least as uh, uh, the mainstream music industry goes streaming has really hurt album sales and so the model the mainstream music model has shifted but the mainstream music model has shifted because uh, what it takes to sell albums on that scale is very different and the mainstream music consumption um, uh, channels have changed we now we know we now have all the music we could ever want in our pockets and so there really isn't a lot of incentive to buy the latest Beyonce album or or whatever you know fill in the blank with your favorite um, you know pop star now there are big exceptions to this obviously Adele was a huge one um, she's actually following a strategy that that I'm quite fond of and that I've been suggesting for a while now which is to pull you know keep the record out of the streaming platforms sell directly to your fans and once the album has run its course then you can release it to the streaming platforms or potentially never release it but only release a, several songs because as independent artists uh the buying triggers are just dramatically different. People don't buy our music because they uh, are seeing it uh, on TV and uh, hearing it in the movies and hearing it on the radio and uh, all the rest of it. They buy our music because they feel a connection with us, because they've um, signed up to our mailing list, they've read a blog post, they left a comment and we replied back. Maybe they follow us on Facebook and same thing. They've left a comment and we've started chatting. Um, there's some degree of reciprocity. They're, they're part of our tribe. They're they're on our team. They're rooting for us. And as such, they they will purchase your music. Or It's not even about so much buying the album. It's about just spending money with you to support your career. And they will do that so long as you basically ask them and really cultivate that relationship properly. So that's what MMM is. And the nuts and bolts of it are simply to drive traffic, take deliberate action to drive traffic to an email list, grow that email list so that you can build those relationships with your fans, uh, uh, form a, a tribe, a community, uh, establish some bond and hopefully a, even a bit of reciprocity and uh, ask for occasional support. So it's not just about making music anymore it's about creating a channel a channel of content uh, a music based channel uh, you know to be sure but uh, uh, a channel and sending that that content out to that uh, list on a regular basis and we use social media to support that as well but there's still nothing more powerful than an email list in terms of direct communication and making sure that people see our message and uh 
and, and generating sales over and over again. And what you have at the end of that is some measure of predictability. And that's the exciting part of this. You know, I, I spent I've spent my entire adult life in the music industry. I've put out records on Interscope and Warner Brothers and independently as well. And there was never really any business there. It was a, it was always a throw it at the wall and see what sticks kind of approach. And I watched many people get out of the business precisely for that. And what I love about this direct response is ooh. so we call it direct to fan because that's catchier to us artists but it's actually a long established type of marketing called direct response marketing and uh, uh i don't even know where i was going with that but it it <laughs> I've completely lost my train of thought but it's um yeah it's a it it, it gives us some measure of predictability and um, uh, where we can spend X amount of money to acquire X amount of subscribers and we can and we will get X amount of profit out the other end and that allows us to operate like a real business it's it's, it's advertising and then a bit of supply and demand and it's it's fairly straightforward we mix in a few proven selling tactics and and copywriting strategies and and we've got ourselves a system that works and and it it's been really you know exciting for me um to be able to grow an audience and and continue to make music where had i not uh, stumbled upon this i, I probably would have thrown in the towel many years ago um you know that being said i've been having kids and doing doing mmm and all these things and i, I haven't been all that active in the last couple of years but i've i've still got my audience growing every day and selling albums regularly and i've got a uh, uh, new album in the can and and i will have a career indefinitely because i've got that audience and that's and that's what's different about this approach. So that that's what we do here. And all of the questions that we'll be taking and the perspective that I'll be sharing will be based on that model. It will be based, you know, it will be coming from that that place. So <clears throat> with that said, um, again, I see people are still filing in. Um, now is a great time to, if you're listening in via the web, raise your hand, hit star two. Uh, if you'd like to ask a question, I see a couple of you with, with your hands raised. Again, hit star two to, to ask those questions. And um, I'm going to just press refresh here. It looks like we've got a ton of questions coming in via the web. So I'm going to start um, going through these and, and getting you the the answers that you're hopefully looking for. Um, so uh, again, I don't have anyone screening this stuff for me, so I'm just kind of going to read through these and answer um, in sort of a basic order uh, that they came in, or best I can anyway. Uh, someone, um, so Rolex is just saying, uh, for, this is in Castries? I don't know where that is. Am I saying that right? My apologies there. Probably something obvious that I should know, but I don't. Um, hello, my friend. Uh, I need someone who will market my music. Um, well, how's it going? Um, I totally hear where you're coming from. And, you know, I don't know if you're sort of saying, hey, you know, you'd like me to market your music. Well, I, while I do take on one-on-one -on -one campaigns from time to time. It's not um, really part of my business model uh, at, at the moment anyway. Um, I much prefer teaching thousands of musicians than working one-on-one -on -one with just one or two a year. And um, they're very time-consuming, you know, doing these campaigns. And frankly, I just, I think you guys are better suited to learn this stuff and do this stuff yourself. So, it's not, you know, I take on one or two clients a year. Um, they usually come through my personal networks. Um, these are mostly so that I can keep my keep my chops up, my marketing chops up, and and stay relevant, um, and and help some friends along the way. But but that's really mostly why I do it. I do some work for a record label called Blue Elan, or I have at least in recent 
years. Um, and again, that's because the general manager is a friend and, uh, and you know, we work together on a lot of stuff, but that's kind of where I'm at with it. There's some talks right now about possibly, um, offering a more done for you service, but you know, right now that's still in, in talks. And I think, I think musicians are really best suited to learn this stuff themselves because you are the brand and it's easy for somebody else to set up the mechanism, but only you can develop that brand. You know, you're the voice of this thing and maybe in time you can outsource this, but I think it's important that you set it up and understand the principles so that you can hand it over to someone. You're the CEO of your business and uh, it's sort of like, yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, ha try, trying to trying to delegate to employees without understanding the business is a fairly difficult, if not impossible, thing. So I think it's important you learn this stuff yourself first, and then potentially bring on people, you know, hire people to do something that you understand. Uh, so there's some checks and balances there, as opposed to just spending money um, with no real idea of whether or not you know what's being done on your behalf and what you're spending your hard-earned money on is actually working. Um, so uh, next question comes from uh, Yuri in uh, Montreal. Say, he says, uh, or he or she, sorry, I, I'm not sure there. N uh, nothing about selling physical CDs and finding the best fulfillment. Um, so I must I take that to mean that you are, um, you know, wondering about selling physical CDs and finding the best fulfillment fulfillment. Um, so I, I still love physical CDs. Now, physical CDs, despite all the claims that, you know, the album is dead, um, uh, where, you know, physical CDs in terms of sales, really the drop was pretty marginal this year, the, the anticipated drop um, by the end of the year. Sorry, a little cough there, and I didn't want you to have to listen to that. I'll be doing that from time to time. Um, but the... Uh, the, the drop was 4% or three or it predicted drop is about 3.9%. So yeah, a, a bit of a drop, but that's not outside of the kinds of ebbs and flows that we saw 10 years ago. And when it came to album sales, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a just a, a graph chart that only went up. There were down years in album sales and 3.9% is in drop of physical CDs and not that insignificant. So whether or not that continues, uh, we'll see. But right now, there's a some you know somewhat of a plateau in the drop of physical CDs, meaning there seems to be, you know, uh, while we've seen a lot of all those sort of impulse digital download buys cease in favor of streaming, those who love physical CDs seem to love physical CDs. And again, as an independent artist uh, who's selling directly to a list, what I find is that your fans, you know, it's your fans that are going to buy from you. It's not strangers. It's not impulse purchases. It's not casual listens on a playlist. These are fans. These are people who dig you, who who are invested in your career and you as a person and want to purchase your music, want to keep you in business. Um, and they'll pretty much buy, within reason, anything that you ask them to. If you offer a physical CD or a digital download uh, or vinyl, for that matter, you'll sell it. Um, and because, again, they're, they're trying to support you as much as they're <clears throat> looking for the actual music. So I love physical CDs. Um, they've been a big part of most of the campaigns that I've done, and we've sold a ton of them. I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but I did the uh, marketing. Many of you have heard me um, talk about Jennifer Magnus, a, a blues artist who I did the marketing for on her last two albums. And uh, uh, the last one was nominated for a Grammy. Both of them uh, debuted at number five on Billboard's blues chart. And it, I'm, I, I hope I'm saying, I hope what I'm saying is correct. I'm fairly 
positive, I remember that the overwhelming majority of sales were of physical CDs, at least initially, um, not digital downloads, despite the fact that they were available. So um, I love physical CDs. Biggest reason there's more money there. You know, the, the CD is only costing you a dollar two. Uh, sorry, a dollar or two, but you're selling it for about fifteen dollars as opposed to a digital album, which you're selling for ten dollars. So even though that's only three more dollars, and you know you're usually tacking on shipping and handling, um, but even though that's only three more dollars, that's thirty percent. When we look at that across a hundred thousand dollars, who wouldn't rather have one hundred and thirty thousand dollars? You know, so I love. Um, CDs. In terms of fulfillment, there are companies that you can use. I don't, I'm not focused on that because I'm focused on direct selling. So I would just sell them yourself. Um, I think you could hook up with a company like CD Baby who will at least get your product into the computers of the remaining record stores out there in the world. Um, but aside from that, you're going to sell mostly directly to your fans. So I would just um, ship them off yourself. Uh, if you want to find a drop shipping company, you can do that, but you'll start losing some of your profit. So let me um, hit mute here while I sip some coffee. All right, it's seven in the morning, guys. Bear with me. So um, I'm gonna open up a phone line now so we can we can chat. Um, so I've got caller ID here, but it doesn't guarantee that it is accurate. It seems to be wrong just as often as it's right. So my apologies if I say somebody's name wrong or even have a location wrong. Uh, I'm gonna open up the line for Paul in Detroit, according to caller ID. So you are on the line. Is this, in fact, Paul? Yeah, yeah, it's John, but it's, my name is Paul, too, John Paul, but uh, it's John Mabrak here. How you doing? Hey, good, how are you? How's it going? Good, good, yeah, my middle name's, great, my middle name's Paul, too, so we've got two John Pauls here on the line. <laughs> <They're awesome. laughs> yeah, I, I, I've been following you for a while now, and uh, I, got, I signed up uh, for the Facebook course, uh, gosh, it's probably been three, four months ago now, and... Uh, I signed up for the 4.0 and uh, was looking at it. I think I signed up a day or two ago, and uh, I was shocked the amount of information you've got on there. I, mean, I looked at all those modules, you know, after the, the intro uh, module, and uh, you explain how to go through the course. And, uh, I mean, it, it's like an exhaustive, <laughs> you know, course in, 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 in music marketing. I mean, it it really is like a fifteen hundred dollar value, I, I would say. You, you said like two grand, so I was kind of in the ballpark. It, similar courses are going for like fifteen hundred plus, really, for the for really not as much stuff. It, uh, Thanks, man. It, it was quite uh, it, it's quite an exhaustive collection you've got there. I mean, it's, I'm really impressed. So I'm looking forward to to digging my teeth into it. And uh, one thing I wanted to ask you though, John, was. Uh, uh, you kind of answered a bit on, on the previous question about CDs. I was going to ask you, you know, when we do the funnel and, and we do the direct, you know, sale, um, you know, usually it's probably going to be downloads for the majority of people. They'll, they'll probably be, uh, you know, probably 20% of your audience, you know, who's using the product might, might sell physical. I don't, I don't know how much the, how much the numbers are now, but, uh, I was thinking too, that the, uh, the more physical products to sell or have available, you know, even if it's not completely, uh, you know, tangible music, but even another type of product related to the artist might be a good idea also because uh, per I haven't bought any downloads or any CDs in, you know, a long time, but I, I do pay for a subscription service. But, I, you know, I, I know that that's not really part of the, uh, the plan for what I can see so far is maybe just release the singles to the, the the streamers and then try to direct sell the album directly 
which I, I do like the idea of for, for sure. It's uh, and uh, I have a background in real estate sales, so I, I really enjoy listening to your your videos. Here. It's it's very it's all true. They definitely have a, the technology and the science for the last three hundred years to determine how to make a sale. Yeah, in a number of industries, and and, uh, and uh, all of it's applicable really to the music industry. It's just nobody's really doing it on any kind of you know massive level. That uh, you know, where it's like a one-to-one fan. That you know, on a real big, big level, where they're kind of like a household name, like like the Paul McCartney or the Madonna. Sure. Or, but you know, the next Paul McCartney or Madonna is going to have a lot of grassroots marketing behind them, probably. The ones that that'll stay in the game the longest, because the labels are going to drop them when they can't make hits. Right, you know? right. <laughs> and, and so you know, and eventually, you know. I, I like what you're saying that you know you can be the captain of your own ship with this thing, and it was it was quite telling when you spoke about you know being on Interscope and you know you released an album with them, and you're saying they really didn't have a plan; it was thrown against the wall and sick. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, that's just that's insane. You yeah, know? in fairness, I I don't think they would say they didn't have have a plan. You know, they their plan is to basically spend money at radio and press and. And then, yeah, see, see what sticks. But, you know, they, they're good at what they do, for you know, without question. I'm not even trying to be critical of them or the label, but um, but that oh, but, yeah, but that, sure, that approach sure. just doesn't work on an indie level. You know, we can't spend enough money well, to, to create oh, that effect. Well, plus, you're tied up, too, because any major label that, you know, most, you know, there's more acts that have been signed and developed and records made and, Many people dropped shortly after release, and they really didn't have a. The record, in many cases, wasn't even properly released or were promoted, and and they spent two, three years of their lives tied up with a label, right. <laughs> you know, and and, and you know, they put all that work into it. So that that story is pretty common across the board, right. for many artists, you know. Sure, sure. So well, I like about your your, your program is <laughs> we're, we're the captain of our own ship on this, and so I, I definitely. Uh, Looking forward to learning it and applying the principles that you're teaching, John. For for sure, I uh, support you in every way I can. Well, thanks. I, I I appreciate that. And you know, if I could respond to a couple of those things, one, I you know, I again, I really appreciate you commenting on that and how much content is in there. It it, it honestly, and I, all the hype aside, I mean, I create the courses just like <laughs> I would create them if I'm sitting down. You know, because I have friends. I'm a musician. All my friends are musicians, or many of them certainly are. And, and all the time they're asking, hey, so what do I do? And I wanted to create something that I can honestly just say, hey, here's the password. Go do that. And 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 I sort of structured it like I would if I or I imagine myself being hired by a university to come in and just teach this stuff. And so it's it's a series of, you know, different things. Some of it's theoretical discussion over slides. And then some of it is is okay, watch over my shoulder and now do this. Um, but and, and I feel like this sounds like a load of BS, but but when I say that in the sales video, you know that I this is courses like this typically sell for about two thousand dollars. That's that's I honestly there's I have no question that I could bring this price way way up and there's data to support the fact that I'm losing quite a lot of money by not but it is a sincere thing like I do I don't want to not have imp core information available for some uh, 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 I don't want to not have this core information available for an unaffordable price to musicians and I I have a genuine 
paying when I when I present people with a price. I need to feel very consciously that this is better for them than it is for me. And I, I think that probably sounds like marketing crap, but that's that's my honest approach to this whole business. Um, I've been doing it a long time, and I do find there's more money out there to to be sure. But I, I think I put a, a fair price on this stuff, and I appreciate you acknowledging it. Um, to to comment on another point where you were talking about how nobody's doing it on a big scale, I think. I think, and we'll see, I think one of the reasons is that these big companies that are need to generate hundreds of millions of dollars a year, uh, they it's it's not really scalable. This is so much about relationship building. I don't know. maybe maybe they will figure it out, but I don't know that you can do this on a on a repeatable, scalable hundred million dollars a year kind of basis. This is a strategy uh, for independent artists to uh, generate a, a, a reasonable, you know, a sizable amount of money from a small number of people as opposed to a small amount of money from a massive number of people. And I think that's one of the problems there is giving, gi hiring some, some, I don't know, social media manager at a record label to understand, to intuitively understand what an artist needs and to be able to craft a funnel like this i think that that's infinitely more challenging than throwing a bunch of money at the traditional uh or the well-established um uh, media channels that are out there and and seeing what sticks and so i don't know that we will see it on a big scale i think we'll see artists emerge here and there that grasp this stuff and that are in charge of their own careers and that do it well but i don't know that the labels will really start to to be able to do this on any big and consistent scale, but we'll see. It's still early days. Um, so I'm going to, right. Right. I, I've got a bunch of other questions that I should probably start tackling, but is there anything else I can help with before, before I jump into those? Oh, no, Jeff. No, I don't, I don't want to take up any more of your time, but I'm glad you, uh, you went over that and, uh, I'll just be, uh, listening and enjoying the, uh, the webinar. Thank you so much. Uh, awesome. Thanks very much. Um, okay. So, uh, let's see here. I'm just pressing a few buttons. So again, if you, if you just joined us, I know people are kind of coming and going. Uh, there's quite a few of you here today. If you've got any questions and you're listening in via a phone line, hit star two to raise your hand. If you're listening in via the web, then you can submit your questions there on the uh, left hand uh, side of the screen. We'll be going for a while. I, I try to get through all of the questions. Sometimes there's just a little too many on these big broad calls, but, um, but uh, see, uh, sorry, I'll see. What, I'll do my best. Sorry, I'm reading and watching callers come in and reading caller ID and trying to talk at the same time. As uh, as I mentioned uh, earlier, for anyone who's new, I'm here by myself today, so uh, uh, bear with me as I try to be call screener and and well, we don't actually screen calls, but uh, monitor things and screen questions and do everything else. Anyway, um, I'm gonna. We got a we got a lot of questions coming in, so I'm gonna try to pick up the pace here and see if I can't get through a lot of these fairly quickly. Um, let's see. So we've got a question from, and I, and I hope I'm pronouncing everybody's names correctly. Gad in London. Uh, do social media likes and following ad credibility and help with conversions when implementing the MMM strategy? I'm considering focusing on Facebook likes before creating ads to my squeeze page. I think you're asking do do does let, let me um do social media likes and following uh let me see here so I think you're asking is basically getting a bunch of likes help you going into the strategy um I don't think it matters to be honest there there 
um, is it gonna be a bad thing? Certainly not. So uh, social proof's part of this, and so I guess um, so getting likes in addition would help. I'm not a big fan of like strategies. Um, I, I I can understand the argument for them, certainly on the social proof level. Um, but the reason I don't like them is Facebook's got something called the edge rank algorithm. That's the algorithm that they use to distribute their content. And the, the basic explanation of it is that, so obviously you've seen it where you have a page and maybe you've got 10,000 followers and you release a post and you only see 200 impressions on that post. Um, and then another post, you release it and you got 6,000 impressions on that post. The way that it works is Facebook's obviously trying to create a really um, uh, awesome user experience. They don't want it to be an overly commercial experience on their platform, but it has to be commercial to an extent because they need to generate revenue. So they assign... Uh, sort of, they have an algorithm that distributes content differently based on uh, the nature of the content. So that's why when you log in, the first thing you see is your closest family and friends, be, uh, their, their posts in your feed, because you engage with those people. Facebook can see it. Their algorithm susses that out and makes sure that you see the stuff you're most likely to care about. If they just released everything equally, a little more like Twitter does, all it would be is just one giant commercial stream because everybody's Facebook pages are uh, largely commercial in nature. And so what they tend to do if you have a page is release that content to a few hundred people or so. It depends on the size of your uh, you know, how, how many followers you have. And then they look for engagement. And again, there's not a person there doing this. This is all an algorithm. But if that post gets a, a certain, um, hits a certain criteria of engagement, then they release it to another few hundred people. And if it continues to get engagement, they release it to a few hundred more people and so forth. But if it doesn't hit that criteria, then the distribution stops. And so going after likes, like trying to simply get likes uh, for the sake of likes could theoretically and quite probably hurt your edge rank score because when you distribute your content, your audience is not going to be engaging with it because those are bot likes, not authentic likes, uh, or at least they're not as authentic as they would be if somebody came to you and clicked like all on their own without being prompted to by, by a, 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 an ad that had an agenda, which was to get those likes. So I, I don't pay for any likes. I think I did an experiment many like seven years ago or something where I wanted to see how quickly I could get some likes and you know likes were still a mystery to to us. And so I, as part of that strategy, I bought a few, I can't remember if it was a thousand likes or a few hundred likes. I don't know. I just qualify that because I'm going to say, I'm about to say that I've never purchased a like in, in my life for MMM. Um, I just let them come in as a byproduct of ads. Now I could go and spend a hundred bucks and get another, you know, 20,000 likes. But, uh, but I, I don't do that. And I don't really, I would, it wouldn't be my recommendation to people, but I also don't think it's crazy. Um, there is an another reason that I think likes could work, which I don't <clears throat> do either is there's new, there are new engagement tools in the ad manager where you can target people that engage with your posts. So because likes can be fairly cheap, um, and pardon me while I just take a sip of water here. Sorry, that's the uh, bummer of being here by myself. I don't have anyone to start talking while I hack up a lung or cough or sip water or do all these other unpleasant things that I need to mute the microphone for. Um, <clears throat> but um, uh, where was I? Uh, yeah, the, you could theoretically 
go create a likes campaign, get a bunch of likes, and then create uh, these small scale, they'd be fairly inexpensive retargeting ads <clears throat> or custom audience ads where you only target people who actually engage with your your page. Um, but again, that's not something. So, so there's an argument to be made there. Maybe somebody can make sense out of that strategy. I don't do that either. Um, I just promote my my content and likes come. You know, MMM has uh, over fifty thousand likes or something. And like I said, I've never done anything to get one of those likes. Um, they just have all come. And anytime I run ads, likes come in. You're not going to get five hundred of them. You're going to get a lot more clicks, but you're going to get some. And in time, if you're regularly running ads, you'll have all the likes that you need. Now, if that bothers you, if it just bothers you having two hundred likes on your page and you want to go get some, uh, feel free. Just know that there is a risk to your edge rank score um, for the future. Um, not sure how significant that is to be honest uh but uh but it's something to keep in mind and as such i sort of would proceed cautiously with a, a like strategy but social proof is is always part of this people do look at things and see you know is this somebody who's got a lot going on uh, or not but i think also we're getting pretty jaded and we're pretty used to seeing uh, all these profiles with lots of likes and little interaction and you know it doesn't necessarily mean all that much um, so next question comes from Jeff in Las Vegas. How's it going, Jeff? Um, Jeff's been been around for a while, and we've communicated a few times. Um, he says, hey, John, good to see the new MMM version 4.0. I've been asking this question for years now, but how would one utilize this strategy uh, with cover and tribute bands? I deal mostly B2B with talent buyers, agents, etc. for casinos, corporate events, performing arts, theaters, etc. I'm launching a funnel for one of our tribute projects here soon, but would love your ideas on this. Thanks and congratulations. Appreciate that, Jeff. Um, and, you know, you're right. We've, we've talked about this a few times, I guess. I mean, it's certainly a great question, but the reality is that MMM is really a direct to fan model. So it's about selling and generating income directly from your fans. And as a tribute band, it's like you say, it's more getting these live performance gigs. Um, <clears throat> and I wouldn't, while there are things that you can do, like you could, for example, um, create a master file of contact addresses for um, talent buyers and people in the business and just keep adding to that and if there's and then upload them to Facebook and if there's a Facebook um, account uh, associated with that address so you know the best bet would be to actually start emailing these people try to get them to email you back see what email address they came from and then um, add that to your file um, but just keep feeding that 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 uh, custom audience file and then just run these small scale ads promoting what you're doing just so the people the the tastemakers the talent buyers um the corporate people that you need to get in front of are seeing your message don't promote to them don't be aggressive just be out there you know hey you, there's a write-up in in whatever newspaper you know the nevada newspaper R run a link to it and promote it and make sure that people are seeing that you're busy so that when you do call them next um you've got this weight behind you they they recognize the name and they see that you're out there doing a whole bunch of stuff and i've, I've had mmm artists have success with that sorry um this cold and all this talking is catching up with me um anyway um in terms of using it, you know, uh, directly with the fans, my best bet would be focus on the areas that you are going to perform, build that list, and then promote those live shows so that you're at least getting additional money coming in. If you do have physical product, then you can, of course, also sell that product. Um, I don't think there's going to be as much of a pull necessarily to, um, you know, 
download the free music um, from a, a cover band, but or a tribute band, but uh, you know, I might be wrong on that. There certainly is an interest in in covers of popular songs, but there's a difference there between a, a, an artist, you know, doing a sort of cover of a of a song that they love and feel connected with, and a tribute band. That's a, it's a whole different thing, as you know. Um, so so. I would long and short of it is I would say that these strategies are not perfectly tailored for tribute bands. They're more for original artists, but I think there is certainly things that you can do. Like I just mentioned with direct fan or direct response marketing at any rate, um, certainly to, to create awareness with those tastemakers. Um, let's see if there's another one I can take before opening up the phone lines again. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Um, a question comes from Jimmy in St. Louis. He says, I'm getting older and it's been taking me a long time to perfect my recording and mixing. I want to release one song at a time, but was told that it wouldn't really be beneficial as would a whole album as a return on investment wouldn't be there. Do you have a program for singles? So again, I, I teach a different marketing model than, than what many are teaching out there. The mainstream industry is going towards uh, streaming. So a lot of people are talking about singles. Um, that makes sense if you're just trying to get streams. But as, I, as I've stated before, my opinion is there's just not enough revenue in a streaming model for independent musicians. You know, there are exceptions to this, of course, but, but I think there's far, if you can create an audience and interest, I think there's far more money in sales than um, than streams, despite where the the mainstream industry is going, I don't think people fully realize that, and I think I think they eventually will. Um, and uh, so so there's far more. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna push a product, it's far better to, and you're gonna spend ads doing so. It's far better to push a product that costs fifteen dollars than it is to push something that costs one dollar so mmm is really in fact you can't you just can't do it it'll be a loss leader if you were trying to sell singles you you won't be um making any money now you could sell that single and try to make more money on an upsell but from my perspective there's really no you know um difference in price resistance between 10 or 15 dollars and a dollar um there might be a little bit but it's insignificant and um, that's really what selling is, is it's just overcoming resistance. If, you know, a quick crash course on selling would be to sit there and um, think about you as an artist, your songs, your music, your brand, and then think about the people that are getting exposed. So you're running some ads, people are getting exposed to your music. Come up with a giant list of reasons why a person wouldn't buy and write them down, and that's your content. Create content and emails that are designed to overcome that resistance. Um, and that what that resistance is is going to be a bit different for everybody. And when it comes to price resistance, somebody saying, ooh, it's $10, I, I don't know if I can afford that versus, oh, it's $1, I don't know if I can afford that. It's just not happening a lot at the $10 price point. So so you don't see a huge difference in conversions. And often you see even, you know, sometimes you see more sales with a more expensive product because people work in funny ways. They see more value there. Um, what it, the, the real resistance here is getting people to care, um, to care enough to take the time to pull out their wallet and to read your posts and do everything else. So um, with that being said, my focus is on albums. There are others who focus on singles. And if you want to focus on streaming, then singles might be the way to go. Um, the only sort of direct-to-fan exception to that, and I don't have a course on it, would be doing um, uh, 
something like a Patreon campaign or perhaps better yet, a, a membership site so people could pay, let's say, $30 a year or or make donations on a monthly basis, you know, uh, uh, $1, $5, $10, whatever they wanted, different rewards for different price points and release a single a month instead of doing traditional albums. And, you know, for, let's say, a dollar, they get the digital download. For uh, $5, they get the digital download and... Um, a live uh, recording of the song as well uh, for um, $10 they get uh, all of the above plus a live online concert where you're going to perform the song um, and do a Q&A about the song um, once a month you know different levels like that and then and then run the funnel the exact same way but what you're selling is access to a membership site um, or a Patreon campaign you know some kind of recurring model um, as opposed to uh, as opposed to just asking people to buy a $1 single because that way you're still getting your, you know, uh, $10, $15, $30 per customer. It's just spread out over the course of a year. Um, so <clears throat> let's see. Let's head back to the phone lines, give my voice hopefully a little break. Um, all right, so we've got this This person's calling in via the uh, web. There's a web call option now, and so it's listed as anonymous. I can't see your name. I'm going to open up your line. All right, you are on the line, anonymous. Uh, <laughs> who are we talking to? Hello? Hi. Yep, that's you. Oh, is it yep. me? Hey, this is, uh, this is Eric. How are hey, you? Hey, good, good, Eric. How are you doing? Great, great. Uh, congratulations on the new 4.0. Very exciting news. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, I had a, a couple of other quick questions. Uh, I was wondering, because I'm also uh, a member of the uh, the group service, you know, the uh, Insider Circle. You know, monthly, uh, yeah, the Insider mm -hmm. Circle. And I, I had a question because I didn't see it, and I wonder if maybe you can either uh, do one in the future, or maybe you do have it and I didn't come across it. But I'm trying to find specifically, you know, I'm a manager for, for bands and I'm trying to, you know, I'm going through the program and everything. And I'm wondering, do you have a tutorial or thinking about doing a tutorial regarding Facebook, uh, like doing an ad campaign? Like, let's say a band has a show. Uh, for instance, we're here in Los Angeles. The band is planning a show at the Viper Room and we're trying to do a geo-targeted campaign for for an upcoming concert, do you have any materials about that or, or a video or something that explains more about geotargeting specifically for like a concert? There is a course in, in or a lesson in Insider Circle on geotargeted advertising, but I don't necessarily have one specifically for um, uh, concerts, but that's an interesting idea. I'm always looking for feedback from you guys in terms of what to teach in there. And again, Eric's talking about a mastermind program I have called the Insider Circle, which is a different program again. Um, but uh, but so, you know, maybe I could put something together. I mean, then the short of it would be that I would simply promote content in a uh, in a local area. So I'd put, you know, put together a post that was designed to make that concert seem appealing. I'd ideally put some incentive in there, like the first, you know, try to work out a deal with the venue where I can have a discount list or something like that, uh, or even a free list. Um, and then say like right. something like the first, you know, 50 people to hit, hit message. So I, yeah, actually a messenger ad would be quite a, a good way to do this. So I've, I've recently covered messenger ads in there. It's, it's fairly new and there's a lot of buzz around messenger ads, but, um, create a messenger ad and tell people the first 50 people to message me or whatever you could work out will get, you know, uh, added to the 50% 
discount list, some kind of incentive that people need to actually respond to your ad. And then within that ad, there'll be a link that will open up Messenger and then they can say, hey, you know, here's my name and, uh, you know, please put me on plus one or whatever terms that you've, you've you know, whatever information you've requested in your ad. And then I would just run an ad. I'd create, I'd go into audiences. I'd create a, um, uh, actually, no, I wouldn't create, I would just take, uh, I would just take whatever list I was using that represented my uh, mailing list and Facebook likes. Uh, but I would, I would, um, so, so what I do is I go and I, I create custom audiences for all website traffic. So I have the Facebook pixel on every page of all of my sites. And then I have, um, uh, my mailing list as well. So I upload my mailing list. Um, the problem there is you have to constantly go unless you use, uh, I think, is it Zapier? There's a service that will automate that for you. Um, but I don't use it. So I'm going in once a month and adding, you know, re-uploading new names. But so I have uploaded my list and I also have a, uh, that Facebook pixel on every page of my site. And I'll tell Facebook, I want to create a uh, custom audience of everyone who's been on johnojaka.com or musicmarketingmanifesto.com, whatever the case may be. And I'll group, I'll create a new audience within Facebook of all of that. So all lists and all website traffic, um, as opposed to, uh, Facebook likes, because, um, you can't do the, you can't add those two together for some reason right now, you have to do it separately. Um, uh, when you try to add your Facebook page as a connection, it'll actually scale. It'll be an exclude option. It'll 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 require those people to be on both your Facebook page and on your mailing list, and we don't want that. So, and I don't like running two ads at the same time with that much crossover. It seems to drive the price up. So, I actually usually don't run ads to my Facebook followers. I just run ads to my website traffic and my list. Um, uh, which if, should get all of that Facebook traffic because you know anyone who cares about me has clicked over to my website at some point. Um, and then I would I would select that as my audience, all of that website traffic and list and then I but in the location targeting, I would add um, Los Angeles uh, or you know within X amount of miles from the Viper room. You can get pretty specific. you can drop a pin and, and do it that way. And I would run that ad and I think a messenger ad would be a really cool way to do that get people to mess in. Okay, great. And just my, my final, my final quick question is regarding, uh, you know, the project that I'm involved, that I'm working, that I'm managing the project, they're getting ready to release a new record. They have a, an EP that came out a couple of years ago and they're getting ready to launch this new, uh, uh, CD and, uh, in October, it'll be, you know, on digital, but there's also going to be a physical release pro or con. Is it, could I start actually setting up the funnel now for the upcoming release or would it be more, you know, a better option to wait until the record is actually out to start the whole process of going with everything through the funnel? I mean, I'm trying to set everything up now, like the way that uh, you've had it in your system. And so I'm just asking you pro or con, or is it a good way to try to, you know, build excitement for it? Or would you suggest just waiting until the release is actually out? When is it coming out again? It'll be out in the fall in October. I mean, it's already been announced. It's coming out on a particular date and everything. And so right. I'm just wondering whether I can start this now or would you just, you know, would you err on the side of caution and wait to start the campaign until after the record is released? Three months out, I would definitely start building that list and getting people um, getting people into the funnel. Ideally, if you have existing albums for these artists, I would, I would work, I would set up a funnel for the old album just so that you're not just losing money if possible um you know getting people in like get people in and try to make them become buyers and get them excited and then a few weeks before this i would turn it off you'd turn off the funnel um 
By the way, you can't actually go in and turn off a funnel with an Aweber. What you do is, you, you, I mean, you could delete messages, but you might want to bring those back. So you go and you set the intervals to 999 days, which effectively means that no one's going to get the messages. And then when your promotion is over, when the new release promotion is over, you come back in and set those. Uh, well, actually, I call Aweber and say, hey, can you take every single person that's on this list and say uh, change them to last message received was number seven or whatever the last message in your funnel is, then change all the intervals back to one day and then that will effectively start all new people coming in through uh, it'll run them through that same funnel but just to kind of paint this picture better for everyone who doesn't maybe know what we're talking about um, mmm is really more of a um uh, strategy to promote existing music it doesn't so much deal with the build up towards a release now many people are using the strategy to build up to a release because it's not a massive shift um, but there are nuances that are different you know promoting something in real time to everybody uh, as opposed to promoting something in an evergreen fashion and mmm uh, is more of an evergreen model i have taught i, I had a workshop uh, i think now it's about two years ago called record release formula it's, it's not available at the moment but that was all about a record release and there are other things that you may or may not want to do when it comes to a live release like uh um uh, you know, potentially radio and press and these kinds of things. And that all really depends on where your brand is ultimately at. Radio doesn't make sense for everyone and all these kinds of things. And again, I, I'm assuming you're probably, as a manager, you know all this stuff. I'm just more saying it for everybody else. Um, but uh, uh, I would start building now. Get that list going up. If you can, market something that they put out in the past just to cover your costs. But, you know, you want to have that audience in place because... If you get, if you have let's you know let's let's fast forward a few months and you've got uh, I don't know what list size you have right now is but let's say you had zero just for easy math and let's say you built it up to five thousand people now you got five thousand people to market that album to and that's how you can quite easily chart you know that's you get that really awesome first and second week um, especially if you're doing pre-orders so what I would be doing is trying as quickly as possible to build that list up get people engaged, you know, try to profit a little bit right out of the gate, but don't, don't stress it too much. Um, we're just trying to not lose money on building that list. And then, um, about, I don't know, a month, three, three to four weeks before the record comes out, I'd start a, a pre-launch campaign, incentivize it with some bonuses, um, something that they're not going to be get when it, uh, be able to get when it comes out and, and give yourself more than just one week to drive those numbers up, uh, with pre-orders. And do something very similar to the funnel. It's still the you know the Ida funnel. It's just it's you're just using this date specific kind of thing to drive momentum, um, excitement about this date that's coming up. And and people can get into that. Like you're an artist who's about to release something. You're putting your soul on the line, and it's exciting for people who are invested um, in in your career. And then and then you finally drop it and. And so with this model, it's a little bit anticlimactic for most artists when the album comes out because, you know, you've sold, you've already sold to your list and now you've, you've spent that audience. And then it comes down to switching things up and going into the evergreen model. And then if you're going to tour as well, um, that's that's a, where you, you turn on the touring and, and um, get again into that more classic MMM 4.0 uh, evergreen model and start selling to new people coming into the funnel. If that, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. Thank you so much, John. I won't take up any more of your time. I'm sure you got a million questions out there. Thank you so cool. much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, so let's see here. I've got um, 
I've got a, a ton of you. The numbers are really clicking up, which is awesome. There's a lot of people on the call. Not a lot of uh, hands raised. I see one more hand raised, and we'll come back to you in just a sec. But there are a lot of, um, I, I can't even see that. Let me refresh. And there's a lot of you that are listening in via the web. It looks like um, looks like we've had, yeah, a few hundred people here today. That's awesome. Um, so I'm going to start. Again, I keep saying this, and then I spend too much time on these questions. But I want to get everybody answers to everything that they are. are I want to get answers out to everybody who's bothered to ask a question. So let's see. Um, Michael in Garland is saying, hello, John, I'm on lesson 10 and I'm having problems with the JavaScript. It's not showing the sign up form when I paste the script in the text box. It's showing the printed script on the website. Please assist. Um, sorry about that, Michael. That Michael is um, obviously a MMM member. He's talking about a specific lesson in the course. Your best bet with anything support oriented is to uh, email in john at musicmarketingmanifesto.com. Again, uh, uh, send an email to john at musicmarketingmanifesto.com. Um, that way um, we have different support tools and uh, can ask for screenshots and things like that. Um, but I don't know which squeeze page type you're trying to create. If this is because there's a difference between the home page or, or the general site and then an individual screenshot. And I honestly, without looking at it, don't remember exactly what Lesson 10 covers. Um, <clears throat> but if this is an individual screenshot, uh, what is most likely is just that the custom field uh, information was entered incorrectly. A lot of times people put a capital O on the word opt-in. Um, that wants to be lowercase. Sometimes people forget the hyphen, little things like that. I would just go back over the lesson, make sure you've entered the custom field correctly. That um, is most commonly the problem. And if not, send in that email and we'll get you sorted. Um, another question, let's see. Um, from Alicia and Tustin says, is MMM 4.0 a good a uh, good deal for music marketing professionals. Um, well, uh, you know, I certainly feel that it is. It, it depends where you're, <clears throat> where you're at with things. And when you say music marketing professionals, if you, you're offering similar services, so you're offering to market music for people, depends what you need. You know, if you if you need um, uh, more information about effective strategies, then I, I think it's great stuff. I wouldn't have put to, put it together if I didn't. Um, and I certainly see a lot of other people out in the space that are doing this kind of thing, sort of buying my courses. <laughs> sometimes I see people taking the stuff they learn and then selling their own courses based on it, which is sometimes frustrating. Um, but um, and I would I would not do that. <laughs> but I don't think you're saying that. I think you just you, you offer services for people. And and certainly I think I think that there is a need for this stuff and and there would be value there for you. But that is ultimately your call. Um, Hector and uh, Jerome says, will MMM 4.0 work to start with merch first, like T-shirts, then lead into music? Um, <clears throat> theoretically, it could. Uh, I wouldn't do that because. I don't think there's as much interest in merch from fans. Um, I think merch is a great idea for a one-off promotion, you know, make some t-shirts, even even just take pre-orders for t-shirts and then go print them so you don't waste a bunch of money. But trying to sell a t-shirt to someone who's not bought your music is a little bit uh, putting the cart before the horse. We need to get them connected to the music because they're most likely only going to want the merch if they feel connected to that music. Um so I would I would lead with music personally, but theoretically it's a selling structure that that could still work that way. I just don't think it would work as well. Um, uh, let's see, uh, question from Eric, which we are, we took on the live call. Um, so thanks for that, Eric. Uh, and then um, 
Steve-O in London says, hiya, John, I get well soon. <laughs> I've bought MMM 4.0. Just wondering if you think this is as uh, productive for promoting to would-be song licenses, which is my secondary aim. Um, uh, oh, licensees, rather, sorry. Um, not so much. It's more it's more direct to fan marketing. Now, I have seen people use these strategies in all kinds of creative ways. I'm not saying it couldn't be done, but this is about building a tribe, selling a product to that tribe. Um, and licensees is a more networking industry kind of thing, if, if I'm understanding your aim. Um, if you're talking about more... Um, song library kind of licensees like actual consumers uh, i still think that that's a tr that's a much trickier proposition it, it suggests that you can get in front of people that need to license music on a small consumer based scale and i think that would be pretty hard honestly um i can't at least immediately think of what targeting options i would be able to put together on any scale that would get me in front of people looking to license tracks for for products or for projects but if you're talking about bigger licensees like television and film again that's even tougher i think my best advice there would be to create that industry swipe file like i mentioned uh, to jeff's or responded to jeff's question earlier um, and then target those people just for uh, effectively brand development so that when you are reaching out to those people in the ways that you traditionally would would for licensing options, they've heard of you and they've they've seen you around, and hopefully you've created some impression that you know you've got a lot going on. Um, <clears throat> a question for or from let's see, sorry, screen is loading here. Um, uh, Rosalie and Jackson says the songs we offer for email signups should they be exclusive, not available anywhere else? I don't think that's necessary, actually. Um, you know, there's. There's some argument for that, but I think, I mean, and you could test things, you know, it all, the answer always comes down to, it depends if I'm to be honest and you should test it and see. But I think that what's most important is that you put your best foot forward. Um, uh, often I'm not even telling people what they're going to get. I'll just say latest single and it doesn't seem to affect anything. So what's what seem what i think is most important is that you give them the content that they're most likely to just fall in love with um doesn't so much matter if it's released or not i think those unreleased tracks come in handy as bonuses and things like that to really make it seem like oh man i, I want those i should i should take this artist up on the special limited time offer that they put together um florence and edgerton 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 i think i've had my uh, website designed for me and am wondering if i purchase your program would i be allowed for my web designer to use the content to make the changes to my website you have within your program so the license for the website is you know um, available to you not the designer but certainly that designer could work on it absolutely um but I would I would hang tight for just a second. So I've got bonus content. There's a lot more content coming into the course, um, and one of those uh, bonus lessons is how to it's advanced customization on the theme. So in the main course, I show you how to customize it only to the extent of of creating the basic template and getting everything up and running. But there's an advanced customization um, uh, video coming where I show you how to really trick it out and make it look radically different adding custom backgrounds and headers and things like that um and it's it's already shot i just need to sit around for a few hours and edit it and then get it up um and it'll pr probably come just after the launch because things are so hectic this week um but 
it's pretty easy if you've got something already designed to just go and save those background images, save that header, and then uh, add it to your existing site. So you might be able to do all of this yourself. But certainly if you've got you know, a designer and you've got the theme installed, you can absolutely have that person work on it. Thanks for asking though. So David in Chicago, I've been working on trying to find my audience using Facebook advertising. My ads haven't really been converting to people signing up for my, my, my list. Not sure what I need to change to make this more effective. I've used many of the strategies you've taught in MMM 3.0 and the Insider Circle, including using lookalike audiences for my mailing list, using people who have watched a percentage of one of my videos, looking at the demographics and the Spotify listeners and Facebook fans. I'm not sure where to go from here in order to get more signups via Facebook ads. Maybe it's my copy. Um, so certainly you wouldn't be the first person to have, you know, a campaign not convert well. And, and that's absolutely part of this process. You know, there's there are no there are no businesses, you know, that can just hit pay dirt 100 percent of the time with every with every campaign or project. The, the difficult thing in a forum like this, um, uh, uh, such as a coaching call, is to, for me to try to diagnose it based on you know, uh, the, the three minutes that I have here to think about it and talk about it. There are so many variables in any campaign that the problem could be uh, at any step in the process. Um, so, uh, and, and sometimes it's multiple things. I guess as a basic diagnosis or a basic anecdote for, for problems, um, we start by looking at our squeeze page because that's where we're sending traffic. Well, actually, we start by looking at the ad. So if you're spending money and your your clicks are too expensive and your relevancy score is low, then we need to work on that ad copy and the image to bring the relevancy score up <coughs> and bring the cost per click down. Um, you know, you want to be trying to get that cost per click down in the 20, 30 cents a click range. Um, and uh, and there's a lot of flexibility here and there's no one size fits all answer and it really depends on your customer value and all these kinds of things but and that's a lofty goal but very doable um and so you want to get your cost per click down in the 20 30 uh, cent range and you want to get that relevancy score up in the 8 9 10 range and again i know this won't make sense to a lot of you who haven't gotten through this just yet um but uh, but it, it, the relevancy score is really just an indicator um, of ad health, but I rarely see an ad profit below an eight, um, sometimes, but rarely. So um, if, if, if the relevancy score is low, then you know your ad needs work. If you, your ad is doing well and getting you cheap clicks, but your squeeze page isn't converting, then it's either that the squeeze page needs help or the targeting is off. More than likely, if the ad is doing well, it's a squeeze page copy. Um, if you're getting signups, but you're not making sales, then we need to look at the email copy. And the, and you mentioned you're an insider circle lesson. There are a number of lessons in there that can help you with copy, uh, copywriting. There's a shortcut, uh, shortcuts to copywriting lesson that came out fairly recently that I would check out. Um, and, uh, it's just a matter of putting yourself in the, or in your audience's shoes and really intuiting what it is that they're going through and then creating uh, a bold claim about the experience that your music ultimately offers um, that will connect with them. So it could be any one of those things. Certainly, I would I would advise or recommend that you post in the forum. You know, that's kind of what the forum is. It's a big place for people to post the trouble that they're having and the wins. There's plenty of wins in there as well. Um, but I come through and, and I can ask you to post links and things like that and we can discuss it in a lot more detail. And some of these threads along the lines that you're discussing go on for 
many um, many months where it's just a back and forth and trying to improve things. And it's really cool when you come across these threads and you go through them and you see that people have turned things around as well. So I still see we've got a ton of people and because you know these posts are on social media and stuff, people are coming in regularly. We, we're at the one hour, well, one hour and 13 minute mark. Um, <clears throat> so I'm just gonna do a little recap and, and refresh and then we'll continue taking questions. Um, uh, so again, you're listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto 4.0 uh, coaching call. This is really just a casual chat. We're just talking about music and marketing and um, get to know you guys, let you get to know me and try to get you some help. If you have any questions, if you're hitting any roadblocks, if you're unsure about what the program is, but we don't need to talk about MMM 4.0. We can just talk about music and music marketing in general. Um, we're just here to chat. Um, you sh if you're listening in via the web, uh, you should see a little link there on the left-hand side of the screen. Um, there is, as, as most of you probably know, I've recently released MMM 4.0. This is, MMM is my flagship uh, product. Um, it's now in its fourth edition, it just came out. And uh, whenever I launch a product, I usually have a, uh, a early bird uh, discount price and that's what's uh, available right now you can save 50 bucks if you register um, and that it's only it's only 147 dollars with that discount it goes up to 197 dollars uh, in uh, what'll be uh, well I'm not sure exactly a, a couple of days um, so if you if you like what you're learning if you'd like to learn more that is available to you just kind of wanted to uh, uh, make everyone available uh, make everyone aware of that. Uh, and again, if you're new here, I'm here by myself today with a hell of a cold. So um, my apologies for the sketchy audio, the constant um, brain freezes and the rest of it. Normally, I've got someone in here uh, helping me on these big calls to field questions and the rest of it. But I'm here by myself clicking around and, and trying to avoid dead silences while trying to avoid coughing into my microphone. <laughs> um, so uh, thanks for your patience, but it's cool to see um, how many of you are, are still here and how many are keep coming in. Um, it's awesome. And from all over the world by the look of it. So let's see, I'm going to take another live call and then we'll, we'll return to all the questions that are, are coming in. If you are new here and you'd like to, uh, to open up the phone lines, you can hit star two uh, to raise your hand uh, and I will uh, I can open up your lines. Again, hit star two on your keypad. Only hit that once. If you hit it again, it will lower your hand. Um, now is a good time to hit star two if you've got any questions. And then if you're listening in via the web, um, then you would just, uh, what? You would just submit a question there on the left-hand side of the screen. So, um, all right, we've got, uh, I can never remember how to pronounce it. Is it Arenka in, in Nashville? Yes, Arenka. Hi, how are you? Yes, can you hear me? I can, yeah. What's, what's, oh, what's great. going on? <laughs> uh, wonderful. Uh, awesome. And I have a few things I was going to say. Okay. Yeah, just uh, real quick, because you talked about the $1 song thing. I was also going to say if people are using PayPal to process that, there's a fixed fee of $0.30 cents sure. per sale. Mm -hmm. So you lose $0.30 cents off your download, you know, unless you set up your business as a micro sale. So I was just like food for thought for yeah, that is a good point. people who are thinking about it. <laughs> so, you know, it's like 30% gone already. I mean, you might as well have it on iTunes. Same thing, 30% right. off. Um and uh, I had questions about time management and then an another um, idea. Uh -huh. uh, time management, you know, I, you know, you're talking about scaling up and everything, and I'm just trying, trying to keep everything very uh, personable with my fans. I mean, responding to everybody, mm -hmm. blah, 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 emails, like inviting them to, to respond to me and 
and create that relationship. But at a certain point, you know, sure. I mean, like I, you know, when you said you get 400 emails a day, I was going to, I mean, I was going to be like, whoa, I was shooting myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I can't, you know, I'm, I'm in this, I'm trying to, to get less of that and do right. more music. Sure. Um, so, you know, I read this, uh, read this article that says that, you know, busyness, like being all busy and everything prevents you from being creative, which is true. I didn't hear you cut out on so that. What, what was it? So how do you manage your time? Sorry, I, you cut out there. What prevents you from being creative? Uh, I, 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 busyness, oh, yeah. being busy all the time, <clears throat> sure. like um, having like your attention span always like uh, grabbed by something, Sure. something, having something to do all the time. So how, you know... I mean, I think you became a pro at that. So how do you manage, like, you know, how would you recommend to invest daily in this marketing thing versus, you know, doing other things? Like, would you recommend saying just, you know, marketing for one day a week? Or how would you recommend that, how to manage time on email and messages versus uh, music? Right, sure. And it, it, what, what is the limit? You know what I'm saying? Like, beyond 100 messages a day, like, say, stop or just limit Facebook to one hour? Or what, what do you recommend? Sure. Well, we'll keep in mind, you know, when I say 400 emails a day, we're in the launch right now. My email list is about 50,000. Like it's, 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 it's big numbers at the moment, but you know, in a launch when you're asking people, you're sending out a lot of email, you're asking people to buy things, you're going to get a lot of questions and stuff. So it's not normally quite that busy, but it is still as busy, you know, getting a hundred emails a day is, is not, that's probably the norm. Um, uh, so, so a lot of, but again, a lot of that has to do with list size. There's a couple things you can do. I, I'm not the best at creating systems to be honest, but I'm pretty good at getting it all done somehow. Um, but, but it is a little sloppy and not necessarily that conscious, um, uh, on my part in terms of how I do it. But I, what I try to do is sort of sit down and go, okay, I've got a mess of stuff that I need to accomplish today. How am I going to do it all? And if I'm not careful, I spend, you know, the whole day in the inbox and clicking on things. And, and it's not even just all email. It's somebody sends me a link and then I want to check it out. Then I want to read it. Then I see something else. Then I click on that. Then it makes me think of something. Then I click on that and, and the rest of it. So it's real easy to get oh, lost yeah. on that screen, no matter what you're doing. <laughs> so I try to sort of break it up mentally. Like, okay, I've got my work day is six hours or whatever it is, whatever I've allotted for work and how much of that can I reasonably stomach, you know, what's, what's most important, what's going to make me the most money possible today or further my goals. You know, if, if money is not your goal, what's going to further my goals more than any other thing today. Um, and then, so I go, I say to myself, okay, so I have to do that. So how long is that going to take me? Let's say it was going to take me four hours. Then I've got, if I have nothing else to do, then I've got two hours to deal with the inbox. So if you, let's say felt you needed to de dedicate six hours a day to your music um, and you had an eight hour work, you know, you, you felt like you could reasonably be productive for eight hours during that day. Then you got two hours to sit in front of that screen and answer people and engage and run your ads and tweak your campaigns and do all these things. So, so I might go and, uh, uh, I'll try. So you do set limits. Uh, sorry, you're cutting out. Uh, so, sorry. You're cutting out. Do, um, do you set, do you do set hourly limits to your tasks or do you just uh, decide you have to do X amount of tasks 
during that day, no matter how long it takes. I loosely set hourly limits. So sometimes I'll go as far as to turn on a uh, alarm or something that you know goes off after an hour, and then I that sort of reminds me I need to stop. I rarely stick to it. I usually keep going for a little while, but I do. Yes, I try to. I when I say loosely, I'm just not that good at creating strict systems. Um, and I get excited when I'm having conversations and sometimes spend too much time. So despite the alarm going off, I'll sometimes keep going. But I, I basically try to operate like that. I'll sit down, ask myself what I need to do, what's most important, and then ask myself how much time I have left over. And then that's what I do my admin in, you know, so the emails and ads and things like that. That's the admin because there's 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 yeah. there's stuff you got to do to keep the what your system, you know, keep your business healthy and then there's stuff you got to do to expand your business and the expansion is where you get the most reward uh -huh. but it's also really important to do the other yeah. stuff how long do you think it, it, it takes like setting up that program that you you have like you know you think like three is it like a three month thing or a year long thing or you know like, MMM four, you can hatch it out just 4.0 yeah, um, it, full time per month. I yeah. think it really depends on just how adverse you are to uh, technology and how familiar you are with this stuff. Because honestly, I can set it up in a day. Like it's really not that hard for someone like me. And I've had plenty of, like me, meaning I work with this stuff regularly. But um, I've had plenty of people come through the program and then email me two days later and say that they've they've had their first sale. Now, uh, well, at least with past versions of MMM. Uh, that's ridiculously fast, um, and that's not going to be the norm, but it, it, you can get through it pretty quick if you can intuit some of these processes. Um, but I've also had people six months later saying they've just got it set up because they're only you know going at it for 30 minutes a day. So, I, so I, the biggest thing is not the actual setup. The biggest thing is just kind of going through the, the physical lessons. There's a good – I don't actually know. I need to check, but there's, a, there's many hours worth of content in there to sort of sort through. Um, and yeah. and the actual setup isn't I don't I don't know I don't see it as that hard but I get it that like someone who's never touched a computer before or or touched a website before and doesn't know the first thing about HTML might kind of go whoa this is this is very new for my brain and need to kind of take their time yeah. the management you know the, so there's three stages to it there's the setting it up and then there's the um, tweaking and then there's just the long term management once. You know, and tweaking is totally different for everybody. Sometimes it takes people weeks to really dial it in. Sometimes people just really struggle with it. And look, this is business. Some people never get it. I'm, I can't. I can't say that everyone's going to be successful. They're just not. Um, but so, so there's the tweaking stage, which can be one day or a year. Um, that's not all that time consuming. It's just trying new things, trying new ads, trying new copy. You know, you could do that theoretically in 30 minutes a day. From there, though, once you kind of have it all dialed in and you understand what you're doing, it's really just checking your ads, occasionally creating a new ad, and then creating content that you have to do whether you do this or not. You know, you have to be posting on Facebook and, and well, you don't have to do Twitter, but you have to be distributing content, whether it's your blog or social media or Instagram or whatever media you're, or medium you're comfortable with. Regardless of MMM, it's about communication. And and so so you have to dedicate some time to that, I think. Um, well, not every day, but every week. Um, and then you should be checking in on all that content and your ads every day. But that's that's five minutes for me. Um, and then then it's just emails that are coming in. And those are great problems to have if you've got 100 emails coming in every day. And that's going to take a long time for that to happen. And there are different ways you can approach that if you truly crack it and you, and you hit like uh, some kind of 
not critical mass, but you know, independent artist version of critical mass, and you're getting 100 emails a day. Um, there are two ways that I've seen. Uh, you can have one, you can just do it um, and and deal with it, and and two, you can um, outsource it to an extent. You know, you can hire people to answer all of the questions that are like I've gotten an assistant and support manager, Steve Rogers, and he helps me with anything that's sort of support related. And if it's personal, then it's me. Um, and and that cuts down my time dramatically and he's not spending you know he's spending about two hours a day in there and again this is a big business um so for an artist it would be a lot less um so you can hire people uh to help and there's also like gary vaynerchuk the author i don't know if you guys have heard of him but i i like him a lot and he's very um personable uh, and he has a pretty nice style which is when you email him you get sent an auto response that takes you to a video and it's just him saying look I get a lot of emails each day and it's just physically impossible for me to respond to everybody but I do read everything and I really appreciate it and I'm going to do my best to respond but if I don't it's not because I didn't get your email it's not because I don't care I'm just one guy and I can't I can't deal with a thousand emails a day and I when I first got that and as far as I know it's still up it really um you know, it worked for me. Like it did the trick. Okay, this guy's a nice guy. Um, and and then he did email me back um, on my question as well. And it was very short and brief, but he emailed me back. And I thought, I thought that that was pretty cool. And as artists, you don't have the support requirements that something like MMM does. You know, most questions from fans are just, hey, I love your song. And it's just, oh, thanks so much. And it's quick and easy. MMM is like, okay, <laughs> you know, some of these, some of these emails take me a half an hour to write. So it's insane. Um, but you won't have those problems. Yeah. Is that so? Uh, and so, a suggestion that I was going to have um, is, um, you know, I just bought the the uh, MMM 4.0. Thank you. And uh, I also have uh, the Facebook uh, ad thing, and you know, I, I love the videos and everything, but I have like problems sometimes focusing on on sound. Like I'm more of a visual person, uh, okay. so I thought, you know, um, um, I mean, I don't know if anybody else has has suggested this before or whatever i'm just going to throw it out there and have you ever thought of i mean i know it's a lot of work but have you ever thought of like converting that into text or maybe using a program that would like translate the video into text that kind of like follow visually the text as, as you're talking or something you know <laughs> yeah no no that makes so sense in the first version of well, actually well the first version of mmm was all text the second version had a manual that went with it um the problem was just always getting it all done you know it's a lot of stuff in the videos despite the fact that they take a lot of hours and a yeah. lot of work they are a little easier for me to put together they have more value to most users most users prefer video um and uh the updates are easier you know creating a manuscript requires quite a lot of updates and it, and and a different mental thought process everything is quite quite okay i'm speaking in front of a classroom with the video uh, whereas a manuscript is a whole different thing and yes i could convert it into text but that text without the images sometimes just doesn't make sense you know a lot of it is watching over my shoulders but i hear you and i'll think of, i'll think about what i might be able to come up with that might you know at least put some uh, written version of this together that might speed it up for folks i'll, I'll see what i can do yeah, maybe there's some programs. I think there's some programs that do like speech to text. I mean, you know, you might have to go in and put some punctuation in there so yeah. <laughs> here and there, but it might uh, it might work. You know, just to have that converted I, real real quick. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I have I have done that. I've experimented with it. It's just so rough. I can't, in good conscience, hand that to people. Like it would take quite a lot of weeks to turn it into something that I was comfortable 
saying here read this but i but i hear you is more things than you can imagine don't make sense when when you're just looking at the words there's there's weird asides and self interruptions and visuals that are just important but um that need to be inserted how much uh, how much does the the 4.0 correlate to the 1.0 like if i got the 1.0 text uh, would i be able to follow some of it at least or you'd be able to un- you un- the first one was the like- strategy is never deviated the strategy is the same the implementation is is quite different so you you you'd hear me talk about similar concepts but it it wouldn't it's a very different program and frankly as someone has been doing this you know that the original one came out a decade ago um in 2007 like i wouldn't i just it's not available because i wouldn't be you know I've, I've come so far as a marketer um that i i just wouldn't be proud of that but um but shoot me an email in a in a couple of weeks and remind me and i'll see what i see what i can come up with um for you and if, if it's all right i'm going to jump into some other questions here because i know we've got a bunch of them Okay. Cool. Now, thank you very much. Huh. If, I, if I can have access to the to the text, uh, I'll be very appreciative of that. Thank you very much. Okay, thank, have a great day. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. All right. So, yeah, good suggestion. I totally hear where you're coming from, and I will definitely see what I can do. Um, let's see here. Let's let's go rapid fire. I see one more hand raised. Still a lot of callers on the call. We'll probably go for about another thirty minutes or so, and then and then it'll be time to uh, to wrap up. So I'm going to go as fast as I can on these questions. Sorry if some of my answers are maybe not as thorough as I like to sort of be. Um, Derek in Oakland asks, what is the average success rate for people who have used your course? Honestly, I've never calculated that. I don't know. I don't really follow up with a survey. I probably should because um, I've been curious about that myself. I know that I get regular, you know, I hear regularly, probably almost daily from someone who's had some massive growth in their career um, because of the course, but I don't know what that success rate actually is. So I don't know, unfortunately. Um, but if you ever want to hear, you know, from directly from many people who've gone through my programs, you go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com forward slash testimonials, and you can see all kinds of stuff. And honestly, that is a, a smidge of what has come in. Those are just the things where I remember to say, hey, can I post that on the testimonials page? Um, and there's videos and all kinds of stuff, and nobody's ever been paid. I've never solicited, you know, those testimonials um, with any incentives or anything like that. It's all authentic, real stuff from real people. Um, so let's see, Brenda in Salt Lake City. Sorry, uh, Brenda, my page is loading and I can't see your comment. There we go. Um, can a song, uh, can a song hit notable charts if the song has already been released or does the song need to be a new release to have a fighting chance of getting a notable chart? Um, no, it absolutely can. In fact, if you listen to the recent Music Marketing Manifesto podcast episode, which is on the site and iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play and everywhere else, um, uh, and, and interviewed uh, Josh from The Empty Pockets, and they put out a record uh, two years ago. It didn't do very well. Um, they had a mailing list of 500 people and I think sold a couple of hundred copies. He says it all in, in the episode. Um, and then uh, got MMM, applied the strategies, and again, you know, I want to give credit to uh, where credit's due. He's a smart guy. He put his own spin on things, um, but he applied the core strategy of MMM, and two years later, he... Uh, was on nine different billboard charts, and that was just a couple of weeks ago. Um, nine different billboard charts simultaneously. Some of them, you know, all of them, I think, within the top 30. Um, many in the top 10. Um, 
and and that was an album that would have been dead years uh, uh, prior. Well, at least a you know a year prior um, with a traditional cycle. So you can absolutely come back, and you know the industry is actually full of stories like that where somebody's got a ten year old album and something happens, like it gets a license um, or it gets licensed to a movie, and then suddenly it becomes a hit again. So absolutely, you can you can do that. And the beauty of the direct to fan model is it, it you know we're we're driving traffic, we're building our fan base that way we're not using radio and press and all these things. So it doesn't matter. Like the old rules don't matter. All these people that are discovering you, it's all brand new to them. So you could theoretically pull an album um, and then build your list and then set up a launch for it. Although if you got an existing album, I'd be more inclined to set up an evergreen funnel exactly like I show you an MMM and then, um, uh, and then, um, focus on putting out new music uh, with a record release strategy. Um, so let's see, Barbara in New York says, what are your thoughts on smart URLs? I have seen artists put all all their link on what page, so it doesn't matter where you are listening from, the smart URL will, will direct accordingly. Um, you know, I, I assume you're talking about a specific platform that I haven't used. Um, uh, there's a lot you can do with cookies and, and I, uh, IP addresses in terms of directing people that have come to your site uh, to different pages based on past behavior. And it's a great idea. I, I haven't done it because I am too nervous about when that breaks and it would break often. In other words, somebody would visit a page on their phone and then they come home and they visit on desktop and be redirected to the wrong page and then get frustrated. Um, or worse, see some problem or inconsistency in, in your, in the message that you're getting out there, you know, and, and might look, depending on what you're doing, like you're not being genuine. So I haven't, I haven't messed with sort of cookie or your IP address based, um, uh, I guess funnel strategies, but there are people who do, and it's certainly an advanced and interesting option. Um, I'm just not doing it. Um, <clears throat> so uh, let's see, refreshing the page. I got to stop saying that. That's so boring. Um, Ted in Denver says, will this marketing work if you don't sell music itself, like only live tickets for a tribute act? So another tribute um, question. Uh, it is, as I, uh, Jeff asked this earlier, um, it is really, if I'm to be honest, a strategy designed for artists that are uh, selling directly to fans. Um, and it's more of an original marketing based uh, strategy. That said, it there's no reason it can't and shouldn't work if you're focusing on building up that tribe via email and then driving people to live shows. The issue, the biggest challenge is just creating a reason, you know, I, my impression, maybe I'm wrong because I'm not, I've never been in a tribute band, I'm not totally clued into how it works. I, I'm, you know, my understanding of it and my impressions are based on being a consumer, being someone who's gone to many tribute shows and enjoyed them. But I've never felt, you know, I enjoy the shows, they're very fun, but I don't feel like investing in the tribute band unless it's comedy <laughs> um, because I, I've, how do I say this carefully? Um, what the, the, what is fun about a tribute band is getting to experience the art of some other artist that you really, really admire. Um, and so I'm not, uh, as such, I'm not that interested in the art of the tribute band. I'm, I'm just interested in the experience. So building that tribe I, I see as challenging, but depending on the nature of your tribute band, I think, uh, I think 
it could be done. I just think it's it's more challenging and more difficult. So hopefully um, that makes sense. Um, so let's see here. Um, uh, uh, Gad in London says, there's not much talk on MMM 3.0 about physical CDs. How would you market that as part of an upsell? Um, no, uh, in, in MMM 3.0, I talk about albums, but that there's really not much distinction for me between digital and physical. You're right, I guess I, I show you how to do it with digital uh, because I think that's where most people are at and because that's what is most complicated um, to, to set up, you know, like setting up downloads and all of that is something that people don't know how to do. Uh, doing the exact same strategy and just selling physical CDs is infinitely easier and I, and I love it. Um, and I've done it actually on a lot of the campaigns that I personally managed. Um, so uh, the only difference would be instead of sending people to a page where they can buy a digital album and then redirecting uh, or redirecting people to PayPal and delivering the download links uh, via the uh, list that they get added to the Aweber list they get added to when they buy. The only difference would be sending er, everything would be exactly the same. Uh, you'd add shipping to the product and in, in PayPal, and then you and you'd add you know you'd adjust your price accordingly. In that welcome email, you wouldn't deliver downloads. You'd simply say thanks for ordering your albums on its way, kind of a thing. One thing you can do is offer the digital download as well as the physical album, and then the process would be the same, but that welcome email would say your album is on its way. Uh, I've done this a lot and seen artists do this a lot, and that way people get something quickly, um, and it differentiates you from the other uh, retail channels that are out there um, because they're getting two for the price of one. So just as an interesting marketing story, or I think it's interesting, um, uh, pricing structure is something that's fun to sort of talk about and experiment with. And I don't remember the exact price, but The Economist, the magazine that, that I subscribe to, has really cool pricing structure. And I'd love to see somebody do this with music um, where it's something like, let's say, 80 bucks for a prescri uh, prescription, subscription of the digital magazine. And then let's say it's $130 for uh, subscription of the physical magazine and then they've got a third option and these are just laid out alongside each other um, and you could easily do this on a sales page um, but then they've got a third option which is $130 so the same exact price as option two for the physical and the digital and what happens there is when you survey a room of people saying hey which one do you want to buy the physical or the digital the the digital is about or the physical is about twice as much you're going to get you're getting about, about half and half. Um, half the people wanting the physical, half the people wanting the digital. When you survey the same room and say, you know, what would you like, option A, B, or C? And option C is the same price as the physical, but they get both. It just appears like such an obvious choice that, well, it almost, you kind of do a double take. Well, you're saying something wrong here. I get, I can have the physical for $130 or the physical and the digital for $130. Well, obviously I want that. Um, and it becomes such an, a clear value there that it suddenly the majority of your audience is taking the more expensive product. So somebody could experiment with something like that that I think would be kind of fun and I'd love to hear the, the results on. But anyway, to answer your question, um, physical CDs uh, are, have been a big part of a lot of the actual campaigns that I've, I've personally done and the process is really no different. And many, many MMM artists are, um, are selling physical CDs in place of digital. Um, so a question from, uh, I hope I'm saying your name right, Lavina in Missouri. Um, oh, you're 
<laughs> my screen just randomly uploaded, so I've lost your question. Bear with me here while it refreshes. There we go. As independent singer-songwriters, uh, we are hit up with so many uh, taking our money for do this or do that. Use Facebook. Don't use Facebook. Needless to say, I've lost lots of money to those who say this works. Everything costs money. I'm a starving artist, so what I spend has to do the most with the least amount invested. I am tired of being scammed. So, so it doesn't seem like there's a, a question there. Um, you don't necessarily uh, say that you feel that I'm doing that to you, but um, certainly that's the for forum here. Um, so I, I don't know if your implication is that you feel that yeah, I'm somehow scamming you or um, or people like me, you know, people who sell information are, are scammers. I, I don't really know what to tell you. Um, I, all I can ever really do is send people to the Music Marketing Manifesto testimonials page. Been doing this for a long time. Very transparent and accessible person and, you know, just do a search for for reviews and I mean, I'm not aware of any negative feedback out there. I think we have a really cool community uh, of people here and uh, I think people are, are happy. You know, you can't please all the people all the time, but I keep my price points very low. Uh, I, I'm i not just some guy who can't do and therefore teaches. I, I, I've done very well in the music industry and I've done very well as a marketer. I genuinely enjoy this stuff. And, uh, you know, it's uh, I put out plenty of free stuff. My advice to anyone who thinks that, you know, this might just be a play for your money is just don't buy anything. You know, go subscribe to the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast. Um, and I put out regular episodes and listen to that for free. It's full of uh, uh, a ton of really, I think, valuable stuff that will help your career. I put out uh, free videos like the Music Marketing Blueprint video, which is a complete overview of the entire process. Um, but if I'm going to spend the I've been working on MMM 4.0 since last year um, I started in like November creating that course if I'm going to put in uh, eight months of my time I, I have a per customer support fee you know because I have a support manager and it's it's higher than you think it's like I was doing the math and it's something like 30 or 40 dollars per customer because um, we're there to help you it's an interactive members area and I have advertising expenses as well and and with all of that, I still keep the price, you know, under $200. So I don't know. I think I think my time is worth money. It's certainly up to you guys to decide for yourself if you agree. Um, so Linda in Chattanooga. So, whoops, I got to hit refresh before I start reading. So sorry, guys. Um, let's see here. This should load in just a second. Linda says, uh, so do you feel it is okay to get your product produced through CD Baby? I love CD Baby. Great company getting it produced through them. Um, are you talking about disc makers? Um, yeah, I got, got no problem through that. If you're talking about distributed through them, I also think that that's okay. And that's who I would go to for digital distribution and to get your computer, your, your song in the computers of the physical stores that still exist. Um, but I would not, uh, I would not personally release to the streaming platforms um, initially. Uh, I would, I would not tick those boxes, and I would not have them distribute the song until after I had already released it to, I mean, the album until after I had already released it to my fans. Your fans will support you, um, but certainly the established platforms that they already have accounts with are easier. And so, if you make it available everywhere, they're not going to buy. So. Um, so I probably anything that I was focused on marketing, I would not necessarily release through CD baby if, okay, so sorry, I'm thinking about an album release strategy there. If I was to set up an evergreen strategy, um, I think it's okay. Technically, I think it's going to help you more if your album is not available on, on iTunes and places like that. But I, 
I think it's okay to do that. And you still, you absolutely will still sell. Some people will just not take take you up on your LTO and go buy it on iTunes, and that and that's all right. You just make a little less money. Um, but I would. Um, I would just make sure that you're incentivizing and give them a reason to spend the money with you instead of with CD Baby. Um, and because upsells are a big part of this, you really want that order to take place on your site. You might even say, like, look, if you want to help support the cause, um, CD Baby and the other dis uh, distribution channels take a huge chunk of the money. Um, it would mean a lot if you, know, if you were thinking of ordering, if you ordered direct through my site um, to make it worth your while. I'm gonna give you three unreleased tracks, or you know, 30% off, or, or whatever, <clears throat> whatever it was. And again, what's most important here is you have that ability to control that customer flow and uh, make some money off of the upsell, um, rather than rather than um, making the sale itself. You know, again, it's it's not the 30 it's not the 30% or 40% you're gonna lose having the sale take place on iTunes. It's the it's the $30 you're gonna lose without having that upsell ability. Um, Linda also says, uh, what about Facebook live? Do you recommend having live shows through them and then send them to your lead magnet, to your website for purchase? Um, yeah, I think, I think that's a great way to engage. It's all about engagement. Any kind of, any platform that you're comfortable with in terms of engagement is great. How would I use that? Yeah, I'd probably, I'd, I'd use it. Um, I probably wouldn't use it as part of my funnel. I'd just use it as my long-term engagement, um, strategy. Cause remember what we're doing here is, um, we're creating a channel and you know this is a this is a perfect example of great content for a channel doing regular live shows the only thing i'd be careful of is this kind of thing live online shows might be a great revenue um, generator for you so you just if you're going to offer it for free you're going to have a hard time selling it um, but that might be okay because a lot of people do I've been uh, working with one artist and she's doing a lot of Facebook live stuff and she's been doing a great job um, generating revenue by just performing and then asking people to, you know, go buy an album um, or make even a, just a tip, a donation. So, you know, you can you can absolutely use that strategy for your long term engagement. Um, that's how I do it anyway. All right. So let's see here. Um, Barbara in New York says, um, what are your thoughts on digital music tracking? Um, I guess I need a little more information on what you mean specifically in terms of digital music tracking. I don't rely on the traditional platforms like, you know, things like SoundCloud and Spotify and um, or even YouTube or any of these things. Um, so I, the only things I'm tracking are conversions on my site, traffic on my site, you know, these kinds of things, Facebook ad traffic, all these things are very important to me, but how many plays I'm getting on SoundCloud or something means really nothing to me. Um, let's see here. Uh, a question that is coming from Steve-O in London. He asks, is MMM4 good for pure online, mar uh, uh, sorry, good for pure online music making i don't play live uh used used to loads steve on the uk so i think you're asking is this good uh for pure online music making so you don't play live uh and you if you're if you're asking is this a good strategy for someone who doesn't play live and just wants to generate sales and activity using the internet? That's precisely what it was created for, um, how to make money without needing to tour, or how to grow your fan base without needing to tour. Um, 
but touring is healthy. Touring will help your touring is a major revenue stream, and it's a great way to bond with fans. I still have people that buy stuff from me that you know came to a show 15 years ago, and we feel, they feel like friends. And so, anyone who's toured has had that same experience. Um, it's it's uh, a healthy part of any career, but not an essential part with this strategy. Um, do you think artist PR or CD Baby are best for promo and CD production? Um, I don't have any experience with artist PR, and I I like CD Baby as a company, and I think they're great for digital distribution. Um, I don't know how they're marketing. So Disc Makers um, bought CD Baby many years ago. Maybe they're marketing the manufacturing as a CD Baby product now, and I've just missed that. Um, but uh, but yeah, Disc Makers was always sort of the the company that the company to go with as far as I was concerned. Um, so yeah, got nothing but thumbs up for them. Um, <clears throat> if you can find better prices and same quality, then go for it. Uh, let's see somebody else. Oh, Linda also asking that she would love to see some text. Um, so I'll see what I can come up with and let's see here. We got, let's see. Um, Eric in Los Angeles asks, Hi, John, how did they get on the Billboard chart? Was there a process to it, getting on SoundScan, etc.? Could you explain, or do you, do you do a tutorial on that to best set yourself up for getting on there? Thank you. There is a tutorial. Oh, actually, it's coming in the bonus content in MMM 4.0. It's not technically up right now, but this will all be covered uh, in there. So... Um, uh, yes, uh, who, the, there's a service called uh, Indie Hitmaker that will report uh, direct sales um, from your website to SoundScan, and that's the the simple version of it. But yes, there's going to be a lesson on that in MMM 4.0. Um, I think we're getting close. Let's see, I'm refreshing the page. That was all the questions I had in my queue. It looks like a few uh, more have come in. Um, uh, Linda just saying thanks. I appreciate that, Linda. Let's see, I'm going to pop over to the phone lines here and maybe we'll, we'll end with um, a phone question. Um, uh, Linda asking again, John, how many tracks do you feel is enough for an album? Uh, I just, how many tracks? Nine? <laughs> I don't know if I have to give a specific number. I guess I'd say nine. It's really whatever you can convince people is worth spending money on. Is it, is, how much are you going to charge for that album? You know, selling seven songs for $10 if they're digital is pretty hard because that's under the perceived, you know, the, the perceived value of a digital album set, you know, basically by iTunes. Um, so, you know, I like to see at least 10 songs, but you could probably get away with nine. Um, I've got one more uh, question or one more hand raised here in the queue. I'm going to open up your line. This is a Portland caller. I'm going to open that up in just one second. Um, before I get to that, I just want to give everyone a last chance to ask questions. If you're listening in via the web, there's still a lot of you here. If you're listening in via the web, submit your questions now. I'm going to do one more round. If you're listening in via the phone lines, hit star two on your keypad um, to raise your hand, and that'll tell me that you'd like me to open up your lines and, and we can chat directly. So last call for questions, either star two or submit those questions now um, the replay for this call will be up so uh, you can check it out and download it um, later and then let's see um, one final just reminder uh, uh, as most of you know I've just released music marketing manifesto 4.0 this is a new edition of my my flagship product in which I teach the core direct-to-fan uh, marketing strategy that 
I've been using to help artists successfully market their music for coming on a decade. Um, so, so if you if you're interested in it, you know, uh, there's a link in the web portal there on the left hand side of the screen. I've got a special early bird discount of fifty dollars uh, available to everyone who orders. The price is going to go up to one hundred ninety seven dollars uh, shortly, but you can still get it available for one hundred and forty. Uh, still get it available. It's it's still available. There we go um, for one hundred and forty seven dollars. Um, so uh, if you want to save 50 bucks and join me on this this journey that, um, you know, we're all taking, uh, hundreds of musicians have signed up and their orders are coming in almost every every few minutes now. So um, love to love to have you in the course. Everything is covered by a 30 day money back guarantee. Back up everything. Um, 100 percent. All we want is happy customers. So, um, you know, check it out. Join me in the members area and take advantage of that uh, special early bird launch discount. Um, that'll save you 50 bucks and if you're listening in via the phone lines you can find that in musicmarketingmanifesto.com forward slash mmm4 all right so caller in portland let's see here all right you're on the line who are we talking to yeah it's eric john kaiser hey how's it going man Great. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Eric, Eric, for everyone who's listening. I hope you get, you get better soon. <laughs> Thanks, man. Eric, for anyone who's listening, is a MMM member and uh, Insider Circle member. You're Insider Circle, right? Yes, you are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, he's recently, or fairly recently, had had some Billboard uh, success himself. You, you charted at 14. Was it not on the world chart? Yeah, it was on the world chart. And it was actually, you talked about it a few seconds ago, using... Indie Hitmaker. Yeah, yeah. There you go, Indie Hitmaker. Yeah, literally the only service that I know of uh, for people who are selling directly from their websites that want to chart. Um, but what's going on? What's on your mind? How can how can I help? Well, thanks for taking my call. I I had questions, two kind of questions which are related about Patreon. Wondering what you thought about Patreon and about subscription mm -hmm. uh, services for musicians. So I know you talked about it like half an hour. 45 minutes ago a little bit. Uh, the, the question about that would be more like what kind of content do you show with free and what kind of content do you know only uh, offer to, to um, people to subscribe? And the other thing is what kind of price point do you offer for like a subscription model? You know, for an indie musician like me, I, don't, I have more, you know, I don't have a huge, huge following, but I have a lot of people that want to help me. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, it's basically a general question about subscription models and what kind of price points and content you offer to people to make it attractive. Right. Well, I have thoughts on it, certainly. I don't have anything like concrete, like you must do this because I've done 400 of these campaigns. and um, ooh, we get, we're getting your GPS there. Um, but um, Yeah, I'm, go I'm actually going to CD Baby. It's funny. Oh, awesome, awesome. Because <laughs> I'm in Portland. I'm driving. Yeah, sorry about no, that. No, no, I'm almost there. All good. Uh, I might I, if if I keep hearing um, GPS, I might mute the line. So don't take it personally if, if I do. Um, but um, uh, and say hey, hey to Kevin for me if you if you if you see Kevin, the marketing 
uh, director over there. But anyway, um, okay. uh, so uh, what do I think about uh, subscription models? So I, I haven't done 300 subscription campaigns, and I can't tell you, like, this works and this doesn't. And I think what works and what doesn't really just depends on every artist and what they're able to ultimately command. You know, some of us are you taking it. Okay. You take in Amanda Palmer, and she's got, you know, I think I want to say, oh, I can't remember if it's $1,000 or just a few hundred dollars, but she's got, like, massive monthly contribution options on her Patreon campaign and, and she's getting them. So, but she's done this fun, fun, uh, fantastic job of creating a bit of celebrity and, yeah. and, and this avant-garde real excitement about her career. Um, and then other artists are much, much humbler and, and have, as you say, not massive fan bases, but people who do believe in them and support them. And, and you're not going to command a thousand dollars a month from these people, but you might, you might get, you know, something uh, something still really high, like $30 a month or something like that. So so my thoughts on Patreon is I, lo I love the idea that the platform, the concept of the platform is great and seems to work reasonably well. Um, and I think it's a fine option. The only negative is that you have less control. You know, it's you're, you're stuck to their platform and all platforms are fairly rigid um, unless they're specifically designed not to be. Um, but I think that I think that it's it's fine i if anything the biggest negative for a lot of independent artists is that everything is public and you know if if it doesn't go well and i always think about those first few customers to come in like when when they're the first you know you run a campaign and no one has contributed uh contributed yet that's just hard in those first few sales like you got no nobody backing a project and you got to convince that first person and even even when you got $29, you know, donated that still doesn't, it's still not that impressive. Right. So that part of it concerns me a lot for independent artists who need to overcome that social proof because a lot of crowdfunding is about being part of the wave. I, I once bought uh, <clears throat> the Exploding Kittens um, playing card deck from, I'm forgetting, suddenly forgetting the artist's name, but it, it was, it, you know, it generated like one and a half million bucks for this deck of cards and i i bought it i wasn't even really oh, familiar wow. with the artist but i bought it just because it was you know this piece of art that at the time it was fairly groundbreaking uh, this groundbreaking activity in the art world and i thought oh that's cool i want to be part of that so there's a lot of i think going with the crowd that happens on on these platforms like kickstarter and patreon um that that by the way was an indiegogo campaign that i mentioned but you know all all sort of the same so i think i think patreon's fine um my only real concern uh, concerns are as i said the 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 fact that you're stuck into the, the design of the platform and uh, well, I guess you're losing a little bit of money to the platform as well. Um, but social proof is probably one potentially awkward angle of it. And it's not hard to set this stuff up on your own site. You just create an, a, oh, okay. a, a portion of your site that using a membership plugin. I use Wishlist member. Um, they're like a bit expensive, like 150 bucks. I haven't looked into the free options. There are free membership plugins out there. Um, again, the beauty of WordPress is there's usually a plugin for anything that you can think of um, but w wish list is the way to do it right um, but uh, but you can use others and you just create a password protected section of the site you use pages instead of posts so they're not showing up in your your feeds you can de-index them um, so nobody's finding them through the search engines not that it would matter with a membership plugin they wouldn't get access to it and you post your content make it look the way you want it to look and then you sell it like anything else you just use a subscription uh, model and and you create uh, levels, you know, um, and I think my thinking is that 
you should you know you should have a, a very affordable level that's something on par with um, an album you know a dollar per month kind of thing and then maybe a three dollar a month kind of thing and then maybe a five dollar and if you feel you have some diehards in your you know people that just want to support you and even again in music you're still if you're an artist that a person just really believes in 30 bucks a month is nothing for a lot of people to to keep the artists that they love in business that's that's how the van goghs of the world did what they did they had rich people that just believed in them and wanted to see them being artists and making you know or contributing to the world in the way they did and as as was the case with the great composers as well um so some of us probably many of us have those people in our midst so i think having uh some higher ticket uh, options is smart how high depends on how big your audience is and who you think might be lurking in that audience i think getting crazy might be might be a little weird for most of us but even at five dollars if it was monthly that's you know sixty dollars a year that's pretty good money for basically an album and then you just increase the amount of my thing my way of thinking about it is not so much adding stuff because for most of us i don't think people care so much about the stuff it's about create it's about increasing the access um with with the price points so and the experience so a dollar gets you the most boring experience. You're getting a digital download sent to you, and you know three dollars gets you um, the digital download and maybe an, a physical album at the end of each year um, that's signed or something like that. And then and then five dollars gets you the above plus um, a live online. Uh, uh, a concert from within the members area where you're going to perform the song and take questions and just talk about the inspiration behind the song whatever just increase the cool coolness factor of of those of the experience that you're ultimately selling but i think it's also important that we as artists get real about the level of uh and, and the quality of the support that we have we're not we're not Mick Jagger. We're we're local artists, uh, most of us, right. you know, that that have supporters and believers. But we don't want to get all elite and expect that people want to just hear us pontificate about, um, you know, I don't know, being in the studio again. We we really need to make sure that our audience is going to care. If there are friends, let's let's face it, we might have thirty friends willing to support us, and that that if it was twenty bucks a month, that's that's real money. Um, at the end of the year and and yeah, yeah. and so but if there are friends like we need to make it you know we do want to per portray ourselves as artists because they want to believe that we are on the verge of breaking and and worth investing in as well but we just want to make it something they're actually going to care about i see a lot of people a lot of musicians especially on kickstarter campaigns just offering shit that i just don't think anyone cares about do do we really need a sticker for some band we we're only giving money to because we wanted to be supportive you know what i mean yeah yeah no the, the, the dilemma that not dilemma because i've done three kickstarter campaigns that worked and e each one of them i've increased you know the number of pledges and all that awesome i'm just i want to try the patreon thing and all that it's just but it's a different model where people give every month it's not like you know the kickstarter works and it worked for me because it, I, I did the last album in Quebec and people are all excited to help me go over there, you know, and pay for studio in Quebec, fly to Quebec and all that. So there's a whole project in it. Uh, a monthly thing is, it seems like it's, it's a different beast. Kind of thing. Yeah. I think the selling, the selling proposition is different. You know, I think like you said, in 
the Kickstarter campaign, they're supporting you to make something happen. And in the Patreon right. campaign, they're supporting you to um, to contribute to the world. I mean, I, I know it's silly, but the patron the patron of the arts thing is you know obviously a very real and well established thing, and the world has been shaped by patrons in many instances. The world of art certainly um, and music, and so. I think that there is a really fun and cool way to state that to your fans in in a sales video um, or post or whatever medium you're using and just say and tell that story and say and and you're sort of the next in uh, not in line, but you're, you're following in the footsteps of these great composers. I need to look into which composers were, I, I think most of them, I think, you know, um, Mozart and the rest of them were all basically existed yeah. because of of patrons but um telling that story and saying that you know it's tough out there and you need the support from the people that want to see you making music in order to do it so that's what you put together and, and even explaining that the model has changed that it's not about selling albums anymore even though obviously i'm a i'm all about selling albums i think that's a story that people will connect with um and because we see the headlines and nobody really knows the realities of it all and and so saying that in a pitch will um will appeal to people and and i think i think that you should do well if you're doing well with kickstarter then i think you, sh you should do well with patreon i just think the difference is how you pitch it you know the selling proposition oh okay just one last quick thing because i don't want to take too much of your time and i really appreciate it, you know every all the time you did my last question about that about what you just said is do you think people are going to help out because they want to help out? Or do you think they're going to help out also because they can only find some exclusive content only there? I think, I think, I don't, you see, what, I don't know if, <coughs> if I'm making it clear, which is kind of the same principle as windowing in a way, I guess it's to just hold off the content and just, if people really want to see it, they can go there. Yeah, and for sure. an indie artist like me, it's like, I'm not Depeche Mode or something, right, you know, right. you see what I mean? Yeah. I think I think that um, both are true. I think you know, and again, it depends on the nature of your okay. your fans. I I see many independent artists who really, despite feeling that they do, don't have a tremendous amount of fans. They have friends and family and some supporters and and people who maybe met them on the road and liked them. But but are those people you know really consuming the music? Do they really care about those songs? In some cases, yes, and in some cases, no. I mean, it sounds like you're doing pretty well and you're out there and you're pretty active and you do have some fans. And I think, yes, those fans want that music. And, and if it's exclusive, then I think that will help you sell that, okay. that Patreon yeah. campaign. The, actually, I should rephrase that. No, no matter what, exclusive is going to be more appealing to anyone you're trying to pitch. So if it can be exclusive, yes. If it's not exclusive, okay. can the campaign still work? I also think that's true. Um, but I think it's more appealing and will probably okay. work better the more special it can be. And that, that's true of any any selling proposition. Hey, I've got one candy bar and it's the only one like it in the world. And hey, I've got one million of that same candy bar. How many people want, we're going to hold their hand up for the one candy bar like it in the world and how many people are going to hold their, can, their <laughs> yeah. hand up for the one they can go get later? Obviously, more are going to hold it up for the, the rare one. So... So it's just common sense. Yeah, it's like what the Wu-Tang did releasing just one album <laughs> yeah. and then do something like that. Yeah, I don't actually, I never heard the follow-up on that if they did it. They announced that they were going to do it and I never <laughs> heard if they did it or not. I don't know how much of it was a stunt and how much of it was real. <laughs> Love the idea though. 
Awesome. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate your time, and and I hope you you get better. Uh, you get better soon. <laughs> yeah, it's all any launch. I get. I'm I, I get to sick. Music Manifesto four point oh two. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, and congrats on your uh, success on on the Billboard charts. It's really awesome to hear. Um, there've been it's been a month of hearing from artists that have been on the Billboard charts. Quite a few artists got in touch this month, and have had chart success and uh, Eric was one of them. So very cool to hear. I think that's it for us guys. I'm, I got no more hands raised. Um, Oh, there are a few more questions. I'm just going to quickly fly through these. Um, uh, let's see. Is there somewhere you go to have CDs made with covers, etc.? There are, you know, tip me, I've gone through designers in the past. However, um, uh, there's a if you want something quick and easy, there's a service called Canva, C-A-N-V-A.com. And it's a really handy and like good looking design tool designed for people to create um, things that they commonly need, like Facebook headers and social media headers and album covers and flyers and things like that. Really well, they've got all these templates and all this clip art. So you kind of just drag and drop and use with the color swatches and um, uh, uh, font families and things like that that professional designers have put together. You need to just upload your own images and drag things around, change colors a little bit, and you can put together some really attractive album covers um, pretty easily. So um, that might be a solution for for some people. Um, so yeah, did I sum that up? Canva is a, is a really cool, cheap, free tool or just hire a designer. You could go to something like 99designs um, and I think it'll end up costing you for something like an album cover, maybe in the $500 range, but you would have, um, <clears throat> you'd get a whole bunch of designs and would be almost certain to get something that you were happy with. It might be more than that. I'm not, I'm not actually sure where their pricing is at at the moment. Um, <clears throat> you can even go to Craigslist and look for designers and things like that. I've hired plenty of freelance, um, designers for that sort of thing. Um, just refreshing the page. We're going to go rapid fire on these last few questions that have come in and then we're going to wrap up. Um, so, uh, Lavina in Missouri asks, is there, uh, sorry, we just did that for physical CDs and covers. Um, Steve-O in London, <coughs> pardon me guys, talking for two hours with a cold is just runs havoc on you. Um, all right. So Steve-O in London says, is Facebook a big part of MMM 4.0? Yep. It's um, pretty much the exclusive focus of the traffic generation portion of the course. Um, we talk about free traffic and things like that, but it, the, the real uh, focus is on Facebook ads. So it's not it's not a masterclass on Facebook advertising in the sense that I've put out other products in the past, like Music Ads Workshop. That's an advanced course on Facebook advertising. It goes into a lot a lot more nuance and different strategies. Uh, in MMM, I teach you enough to successfully operate the uh, or drive the kinds of traffic and uh, and promote the kinds of offers that we're ultimately trying to promote uh, using the strategy. So yes, though, it is absolutely covered. It's a, a big focus of the course. Um, Linda in Chattanooga says, 10 songs for how much do you recommend for ideal price of the album? For a 10 song album, um, uh, 10 bucks if it's um, digital, 15 if it's physical. That's usually what I do. I, you can do more for physical sometimes, especially if it's signed. Um, um, uh, Gad in London says, thanks for taking my questions. Uh, my, my pleasure, Gad. Um, Barbara in New York asks, um, if I'm getting these, I am getting them, Barbara. I think, I think I saw you come up. I think we answered one of your questions. Maybe you submitted that before, um, uh, before I read it. Let's see. Hector in Ridgewood. <clears throat> um, 
hey, John, I've been using MMM3 and I've been trying to build my email list. I've been using Facebook ads and I've been getting some clicks but no subscribers. Is there any frequent mistake that people do at the beginning stages that might be doing that that I might be doing? Uh, thanks. So so I'm, I had a similar question earlier on um, where I went into a lot more detail on that. Um, the short of it is that Certainly, you know, this happens. Um, this is an ad strategy and it's not free money. We need to dial things in and 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 it, it's not a given that they're all just going to work or profit. Um, there And within an ad, there's so many things that, that can go wrong. One of the first and most common things I see go wrong, and you're saying that you're getting clicks but no subscribers, um, <clears throat> is targeting. You know, targeting can be off. There's so many mistakes that I see quite commonly despite you know what I sort of show people how to do in the course, which is like targeting too broad of an audience. I see uh, people targeting rock rock and roll or progressive rock or or blues. you know these are way too broad. If you're a fan of progressive rock, uh, that can mean so many different things. It means it means heart to one person and, Frank Zappa to another, um, very different fans, very different artists. Uh, and as such, what happens when our targeting is off or if we go too broad is that we're really not speaking to anyone. We really need to niche down and get specific with our target audience. Um, you, you need to have an audience of a decent size. It's still a pretty big range um, for uh, sort of, I, I don't really think like this. I don't apply specific numbers, but being pressed recently to supply specific numbers i sort of would say like for every 25 bucks you're going to spend on advertising you might want an audience size of about 250,000 i think facebook actually says more like a million but i've done a much uh a much lower ratio and and it's worked for me um so so that's sort of what i go off of 25 bucks for you know 250,000 people or so um and per day that is um, the lower that budget is, by the way, the, the better that ad is probably going to be. You know, you want a big audience for, for your ad spend or else um, the the net is cast too wide, so to speak. And there's too much frequency there with your ads and Facebook's algorithm can't really do its thing. Um, I'm sorry, I'm just sort of reading here. Um, but uh, yeah, so targeting is, so grouping, uh, Targeting too broad is one big mistake. Grouping options into the same ad, so people targeting uh, Ryan Adams and Wilco and alt country fans and country fans and rock and roll fans into the same uh, uh, ad set uh, is is a bad idea, and I see people doing it a lot because again, it's going to make your ad way too wide. Facebook's algorithm is never going to be able to do its thing. Um, and you're never going to, uh, your message is never going to land. There's never going to be that market to message match that we're ultimately uh, trying to create. Um, so, uh, so I'm trying to think here and trying to read at the same time. Um, so that would be those, uh, th those would be the biggest problems that I see very common as just targeting right out of the gate. People will sort of miss with that. Um, and then copy is probably the next one. People, you know, don't do the greatest job of understanding why someone would click on their ad and what ex what it is that they're ultimately after. And simply saying, "Hey, click to get a free download," and even simply saying, "Hey, click to get a free download if you like Guns and Roses or whatever," is is just not enough anymore. Uh, there's just so much noise out there. We really need to 
speak directly to the the pre-existing interests and passions of our uh, target fan, our ideal fan, know exactly what it is that makes them tick and, and speak uh, to those passions. An exercise that I often tell people to go through, and then we'll, we'll wrap up after this, um, but an exercise that I often tell people to go through is to just imagine yourself standing at a merch table. You know, you've, you've performed, the room is crowded, people saw you, and uh, but no one's coming up to the merch table. And if you've ever been on tour, if you've ever uh, you know worked a merch table, um, you, you know that when people come up and talk to you, you that it becomes incredibly likely that they're going to buy something. So the uh, it, but so imagine somebody walking by there. No one's coming up. You need that gas money. What are you going to do? But somebody comes by wearing, let's say you're a blues artist and you think fans of Stevie Ray Vaughan are going to like your music and he comes by wearing a Stevie Ray Vaughan shirt. What would you call out to that person? Um, I shouldn't have used Stevie Ray Vaughan as an example because I don't, I'm not a, I don't listen to Stevie Ray Vaughan. I don't know the nuances of that audience. But what would you say as you saw somebody, I'll use the Guns N' Roses example because I've used it before and because I grew up listening to Guns N' Roses as a teenager. But if I saw somebody walking by wearing a Guns N' Roses t-shirt, I might call out, yeah, they're, they, they're great, but they were never the same since Steven Adler left the band. And I imagine that person, I just walk, it's kind of goofy, but I imagine a conversation transpiring and that person turns and says, what? And I repeat myself. And then they, and then they, they, they probably agree because most Guns N' Roses fans agree about that fact. You know, it's a common passion. It's sort of like the new Star Wars, old Star Wars thing. And then I imagine a conversation uh, ensuing, and I imagine myself um, saying something. Well, if if you dig that music, then you 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 know I I'm a musician and I make music. I mean, it's, this is not true about my own music, but uh, you know I'm imagining a fictitious situation here uh, where I'd say my music is inspired by old school Guns N' Roses. Like that's that's what I live for is that kind of stuff. I wish more people made that kind of music, and I just imagine the conversation that would ensue. And I imagine that person ultimately, you know, creating enough of a bond and a, and a desire uh, for them to support me that they buy my album. And then I take that and I distill it into a simple sentence. You know, what was that sentence? So in this case, it was, you know, the Guns N' Roses uh, was never the same since Steven Adler left the band. How could I twist that into a headline that I could effectively yell out to an audience of millions of people on Facebook that would get them to turn their heads and and go huh and whatever that sentence is that's my headline and then all i need to do is overcome that resistance like we talked about earlier and deliver on that promise on my squeeze page and if i do those two things i'll get subscribers and then if my content is good and i respect and take care of these people once they're on my list i will make sales um and that's that's the process that's mmm in a nutshell and that's that's how i would improve things all right, I think we are, um, we are, we are done. We are good to go. It's been a long call. It's been two hours and twenty minutes. Um, but I wanted, uh, you know, I just wanted to have a hang, just to chat. Um, I talk about marketing, talk about MMM 4.0, let you guys get to know me a bit better, get to know some of you. Um, as you know, I'm in the middle of a launch of Music Marketing Manifesto 4.0. I've said it before, but to anyone who, who's coming late, uh, there is a discount going right now. It's an early bird launch discount. It will only be up for a couple more days. Uh, you can save 50 bucks on the course um, if you if you order now. And there is a link in the web portal where you're listening to this um, where you can 
get access to that discount. If you're listening in via the phone lines, you would just go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com forward slash MMM4 um, and get that discount before it's gone. So I think that's I think that's um, us. Thank you so much for being part of this. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for dealing with me while I coughed and uh, and and lost my train of thought a million times over. Par, uh, such as part of the course for these online calls, especially when you when you've got a cold as as I do. Anyway, um, thanks very much, and and all the best to you guys. And hopefully, I'll see some of you in the uh, MMM 4.0 members area. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast with John Ojaka. If you'd like to learn more music marketing strategies, then go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com. That's musicmarketingmanifesto.com. And sign up for your free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint.